Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Stacks. This is Jay, your very, very tired curator this week. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm... Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Papa's gonna buy you Shanna. Mm. Oh, oh, mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know mm. about that. No, no, that's not my best at all. Uh, the, the <laughs> Raimi ones don't seem to work great for that. They don't. They but don't. we're not beginning with Sam Raimi this week. No, we aren't. We're hopping into... Uh, kind of the landmark kung fu film, the the one that really launched it as a phenomenon in the U.S. Uh, I think it made something like ten million dollars in its U.S. box office, which at the time for a foreign film was just out of this world. For for a foreign kung fu film, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, kung fu was just an unheard of genre at that point. Uh, yeah. So, uh, known originally, or original title, King Boxer. Uh, from 1972, directed by Chung Chung Hua, uh, better known as The Five Fingers of Death. It's a be- much better title, honestly. Much better title. King Boxer gives me just having like it's the same problem I had with the Chinese boxer. Chinese boxer. It Sounds just, like a sports movie. <laughs> yeah, like like a boxing movie and a kung fu movie. Even though you're punching and stuff with both, they're very different movies. Very different atmosphere most of the time although um, we did watch a pretty great boxing movie previously but that was true. that wasn't really a sports movie either that well, was no that's a, the sukamoto genre yeah yeah um but this this is the kung fu genre the boxing five fingers of death i agree is a better title right and so like regarding chinese boxer as you mentioned this movie is almost a remake of Chinese Boxer. There's a lot of the same uh, people in it and a lot of the same plot in it. This one's just kind of grungier and meaner. Yeah, and it has more more bad guys for the hero to beat up and more um, victims for the bad guys to beat up and more yeah. old masters to get killed. Yeah, it kind of just doubles up on a lot of those things. Uh, so it starts with just the great opening theme, which most people know now from Kill Bill, the famous siren that uh, the bride sees every time she's going to get her revenge. I almost did it, but it's going to sound terrible on the microphone. You all know the sound. Everybody the, knows the everyone siren. Everyone knows the Kill Bill sound. Yeah, and technically it's also stolen here because it's originally the opening theme to the late 60s, early 70s uh, American crime show Ironsides, which was uh, Perry Mason, you know, uh, Raymond Burr as a cop in a wheelchair. Really? Yeah. Weird show. (laughs) Never would have never would have figured that. Yeah. Uh, So like a lot of the music and it pretty much. Very consistently with all of these Shaw Brothers kung fu films, they used library music or they used existing cues. They didn't really compose scores for the most part. It's just kind of borrowed from all sorts of different sources. Oh, interesting. Um, that Keeps the costs of, low. <laughs> <laughs> it does explain why the scores for all of these kind of sound exactly the same. 
they're very similar and like they're it's a sort of a house style as well mm-hmm. but uh like th- these are movies that they really cranked out they made a lot of them they didn't like they had basic plots and stuff but like the fight scenes weren't choreographed they just kind of threw them together uh while they were shooting them because you know everybody who was on set most of them were people who knew kung fu and the people directing were people who knew kung fu and they would just like work it out with the space they had and the people they had that's interesting i didn't know that it wasn't choreographed um we had been kind of briefly talking about a few other of these films Mm -hmm. and and had been watching uh quite a few like just hanging out over the last few weeks they're such great Um, hangout movies they really are (laughs) they they don't require you to turn your brain on at all you can if you want to and uh and I think this one is probably like, in terms of plot and like, like how well the movies are put together. I think this one's uh, King Boxer is the best one, like the best made movie out of all of them that I've seen so far. Yeah, this one's pretty top tier. Like I would say that something like Shaolin Mantis is very strong in terms of its actual fight choreography and the way oh, yes. the fights come together. But plot wise, you know, it's a little less, a little more up and down. This one is just momentum, pure momentum. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a bit more down to earth than uh, some of the other ones. There isn't as much fantastical kung fu elements. Although like, we don't have guys walking on the wall. Right. We, we do, do have, have a little a bit, bit of wire foo. Yeah, there there are some cool acrobatics, and we do have some, you know, glowing iron fists at <laughs> at a couple key moments, which are great. Yeah, that that's cool. It's a cool effect because they just like shine a red light on the fists, so it mm-hmm. looks like it's glowing, but not. It looks like it's actually just turned red, kind of. It's, mm-hmm. it's like it's it's such powered with the inner that, fire. Yeah, it's such a simple thing that gives such a unique effect because you know like like marvel would just have computer generated flames coming off of them and they'd right. look amazing but it also look boring well, it would look really fake too yeah but like this is just like it's almost kind of has that like am, wait am i actually seeing this did i imagine it or did his fist glow red there for a sec yeah and then like as it progresses and as he has more power with them, it's more noticeable. And so like the last couple times he does it like, Oh, he's powering up <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and everyone can see it. Yeah. So it opens with two people out walking who are accosted by Kung Fu thugs. Yep. Um, I like the costume of the, the head thug, the bald guy with his, like, yeah. With his like cigarette smoke and little fur jacket yeah yeah he's got kind of a pimp collar he's always smoking a cigarette yeah um he's he's like the lowest level out of everybody who has a name but he looks pretty cool yeah i i think he's the only bad guy who doesn't get killed (laughs) yeah because he stops participating after a while he just stops coming to the meetings well, he's just not even like a real kung fu guy. He's just sort of a spy. Like he's such an underling that he's defeated in this first scene, and then we just see him skulking in the shadows, pretty much the rest of the movie. Like he does one other thing. Yeah, I don't think he wins a fight. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course, his first person that he attacks is the first master, uh, Sung Wu Yan. 
so this, <laughs> so the thing about these uh, films is usually the old masters are uh, young people with old face uh, yeah. makeup. Oh yeah. Like real bad, like facial hair just glued on just, you know, so that they can have the young guys doing all these acrobatic uh, stuff. Well, it's, it's like what harder. You- like what you mentioned when you were watching it earlier, the cruel tutelage of Pai Mei. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this film but, was hugely influential on Kill Bill. Like this is oh, clearly yeah. one of the major resources. <laughs> yeah, but the but this old master, my thinking was like when I first saw him, I'm like, oh wow, this guy's actually played by an old man. I bet he's not going to do any real fighting. I am immediately proven wrong. He very impressively defends himself against this gang of kung fu thugs, like right off the bat. And like yep. his his assistant just leaves, leaves for him to deal with it. He can go get help. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even the old master doesn't even die here. No. Like he he kicks the crap out of the guy. It's like, man, imagine being a thug and going back to find out and like having to report back. You didn't even manage to kill an old master in a kung fu movie. But he is an old master. And, like, he's he is slipping, as we very soon learn. Or, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm thinking the old teacher. The old teacher. Mm. Yeah, not not an old master. Old masters are hard to kill, but old teachers yeah. will die, guaranteed. Yeah. So we, we sort of cut back to our other characters and these are this is our main character and his girl uh chow chi hao and ying ying and they've I... just received a letter that uh, their friend Taming is coming back to visit i'm oh wow i've been pro- pronouncing their names wrong the whole time i may be like they, we we use different subtitle versions i think because oh. uh there's several different subtitle tracks. We're we're watching the Arrow disc from the Shaw Scope Volume One, uh, and it has multiple different versions, but they're all sort of branching. So it has a direct translation version of the uh, subs, which and that's the version I watched. I think you may have watched sort of the Five Fingers of Death version. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I guess there would be probably different subtitle tracks of these things yeah so th- that might create some interesting you know, discrepancies and I'm, I'm interested to see what's different there because i didn't I, watch the different versions i think we'll be able to figure it out well yeah well no, yeah actually, yeah just in terms of but names and characterization yeah yeah that, that's true that's a good point yeah it'll be interesting to see how that's different but yeah uh she how or chi how is our main character and Ying Ying is his girlfriend. And they, they've gotten this letter from their old friend, Taming, who used to also study under Sung. And Ying Ying is just really happy about it. And Chi Hao, you know, he fakes that he's jealous about it. <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're playful. You can tell that, like, it's, it's a genuine couple kind of thing. Which oh, is yeah. interesting because she sort of drops out of the movie for quite a while and there's a different love interest which seems perfectly viable. And, uh, uh, yeah, Yen I kind of doesn't... forget that Yin Ying or Yin Yin exists uh, until like the last third of the movie. 
even though like anytime he's with Yen, he's kind of reminded and thinks about it and is kind of resisting Yen. But yeah, it's great. I feel bad for Yen. <laughs> so uh, Ying Ying is uh, Sung's daughter. And they, the two of them go when, like, the, the, the assistant comes back and retrieves them, and they go, and the thugs flee. And so, you know, he just weighs off the encounter. It doesn't matter. It's some long-forgotten feud. It doesn't matter at all. Who cares? It's just yeah, attacked like, by a gang of toughs. Whatever. This happens all the time. This is like, actually, no, it's not Kung Fu era China. This is like 1800s China. Yeah, that's one of the really interesting things about this. Most of them seem to be further set back. This one, you have electricity, you have people smoking cigarettes. Yeah, they've got like the they've got like not fedoras, but like the eighteen hundreds hats. Hmm. Yeah, so like it's it's a bit more modernized than we're used to seeing because they they're. I think it's like I don't know the name of the area, but or the era. But I think it would be considered like the equivalent of our medieval time, like um, like three yeah. kingdoms or something like that. And also, right. it might also be like a fantastical era that never really existed. I don't know. I should find out. It's sort of weird with this one in particular. It seems to exist in sort of a fictional space. Like there, there there's this mythical tournament that is sort of the fulcrum of the movie, even though it plays kind of a sp- strangely small part in the movie ultimately. Yeah, because uh, apparently winning the tournament makes you the CEO of Kung Fu. Well, it, it it seems to mean that you control this entire region somehow. Like, for for whatever reason, whoever is the best at Kung Fu just, I guess, you know, they are the king boxer. They they rule I overall. Guess. <laughs> I, I Maybe it's like a Mortal Kombat kind of thing. Wait, Maybe. I don't remember how Mortal Kombat was. Well, Mortal Kombat is basically Enter the Dragon. Like, Mortal Kombat is is a full-on ripoff of Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. Oh, really? I gotta watch those two with those yeah. with that in mind, then. We, we should do the the Bruce Lee movies as well. The first Bruce we Lee should. movie is also a remake of the Chinese boxer. It's Fist of Fury. <laughs> uh, I've only ever seen the one where he, kick, where he kills Chuck Norris. Uh, that one is Return of the Dragon. It's got so many names. That one's great. Uh, that one's really awesome. That's maybe my favorite one. Oh, no. Enter the Dragon is perfect. It's just such a great action movie. So they they go back and they have dinner with Taming. And we learn that he's studying under a Mr. Sun. And he's hoping to enter the tournament. <laughs> We don't really get any other name for it. It's just everyone's like, oh, well, the tournament. The competition. Yeah, the tournament, the competition. Um, this thing's actually still a ways, quite a ways off because we have a year time skip coming up still. Yeah, I, so, I really like. I, don't, I guess it's not annual. I, who knows? <laughs> it's it's never really clear how much time has passed. Uh, there, there's just one friend's like, well, it's a month to the tournament. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> well, when, when he's first going to study at the, the other school, they say, right. you've endeared my bullshit for a year. Right. I, I really like Ying Ying when they're talking about, you know, entering the tournament and the possibility that uh, uh, Chihau also might... It's like, just think, you two competing. It's like, oh, that's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the, the subtext you get there. It's like, hmm. 
because she clearly kind of has a thing for Tumming, even though like no they're they're just friends but it's sort of yeah. this there, there's that background there between them yeah a little a little flirty maybe i think the triangle runs all three ways they're, they all kind uh, of could be could be and i i like the two of like the dynamic between Tumming and see how is uh nice like they're they're really humble about each other's abilities and it, it's weird you don't get much of the camaraderie between them once they uh, once he joins the school. Yeah, that's that's weird. It's like I'm part of your school. I guess I don't see you anymore. Yeah, like there's a couple scenes where he shows up and he's sort of the intermediary between uh, uh, the the two villages. Ultimately, like he's the one that ends up going back to the village rather than Shihao, which is strange. Yeah, I actually kind of forgot about him because he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, it's strange. Like, my theory when I was watching it, even though I had seen this movie before and had sort of forgotten how it plays out, is that there would be sort of this cross and uh, that Shihao uh, uh, would end up with uh, Yen and that oh, Taming yeah. would end up with Ying Ying because it kind of makes sense. He went back there and he's comforting her. And, you know, because, you know, it just seemed to make sense that the that there would be that change. And then both of them still end up and like everyone still ends up happy and with someone. But things don't really turn out that way. Yeah, no, no, they don't. Although we don't really see who we don't end up seeing who dates who and who marries who after the final fight. True. Uh, that's true. We don't get the wind down. Yeah, although there's not a lot of options left by that point. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> a lot of people are dead. So Ying Ying wants to see them spar, because, you know, hot. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And also just to find out how Timing has progressed, because, you know, he's been uh, studying under a new master. He's got all these potential new abilities, because Mr. Sun is supposed to be a pretty important teacher. Mm-hmm. So they have this little match, and they're both really impressive. Yep, I'm just imagining like, like uh, Ying Ying, like, uh, yeah, go do a spar. Um, take off your shirts too. <laughs> Maybe take off your pants. Um, uh, actually, you know what? You're gonna want to oil yourselves up here a little bit. I'm just imagining Tina from Bob's Burgers in the room. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> just think, now, you two competing. For me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, make sure you're wrestling here in the mud. (laughs) So, like, they they have this little thing, and they're both pretty impressive, which is sort of a revelation to Sung. Because he sort of realizes he can't be a match for Mr. Sun uh, as a trainer. Because at this point, Taming is now Shihao's equal. And... When he left, he really wasn't like he was mm-hmm. clearly inferior. So like, I kind of need you to go study under Mr. Sun as well, because uh, I can't do it. And you need to run this town. <laughs> yeah. And he's also concerned about his abilities slipping, because even though we saw him very impressively defend himself against those thugs, he's like, it should have been easier. <laughs> well, he got he got his arm injured. Um, That's true. He's in a sling. Yeah. Like he got cut or something. I mean, he was attacked by like eight guys. Eight of them. I mean, yeah. He's an elderly man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, it should have been easier for me to kill eight people. 
with yeah. were all armed when I wasn't. I mean, so, he is a master, to be fair. True, true. But of course, Yihao doesn't want to go because he's in love with Ying Ying, and he just wants to stay there and get married. But Sung's like, "You can marry after you win the tournament, and you're king boxer." <laughs> yeah, and I think there's also like this, this subtext like you have to win the boxer tournament because if you don't yes. someone evil probably will yeah and like which, that happens to be true of course because yeah well he knows those thugs that attacked him are related to that, and that like, oh yeah that's right they're definitely going to try to rig the tournament in some way or another and them winning would be disastrous and it mm-hmm. probably would be they they're yeah. bad guys they're they're not good people but they're, they're they're funny because they're all the bad guys are kind of bad in different ways. It's it's the villains of this are interesting. It's a spectrum of badness. Mm-hmm. So we we catch up with another gang of thugs led by another smoking guy. And this guy is a more important smoking guy. He's a little bit higher up the chain. He's the large adult son of our main villain. Uh, Meng, I think is his name. Meng is the main villain. Uh, oh, okay. The the son's name I have a little bit later because he isn't introduced here. He's just like walking through the town square, harassing people with his gang. So they harass a fruit vendor. They overturn a cart of chickens and smack someone. And I had this guy pegged all wrong the whole time. I was even saying in the group chat as we were mm. watching, like, this is the guy who absolutely cannot back up his bullshit. But he um, mostly can. He mostly can. He, he just he doesn't have hero power. There's no he way he can fight a hero. He doesn't have hero power. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even really have big bad villain power, but he has can beat normies in a boxing tournament power. And he's got one pretty devastating move that he uses. Yes, he yes. Um, but we'll get yeah. to that. And it's used <laughs> we, on yes, him we later will. as well. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And so we we cut to elsewhere in the town square, and we have the Mongolian fighter. Uh, and I think in your version, he's called Hercules because yeah, he's sort Hercules of, in mine. That's that's the name Bolo is typically known by. Uh, Chinese Hercules is sort of like his subtitle. But this Bolo Jung, who's really major, this is him very early in his career, almost unrecognizable. But he's this Mongolian fighter named Pa Tuer. And he's oh, just... wow. Yeah, completely different name. <laughs> he's Hercules Batar or Batan. In my... Yeah, I, I think it's uh, Batar because it's Pa Tuer. Oh, yeah, yeah. that it makes sense. But he's demonstrating his abilities, and he's said to be totally undefeated. He has a fantastic mustache, and there's a hundred dollar reward to anyone who can beat him, which is Spider-Man's origin story, by the way. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, the guy, the guy who goes to fight him, uh, Chen is not really a Spider. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, first Hercules has to beat up a normal guy. Well, yeah, some rando needs to come in and punch him and just be obliterated. Oh, yeah, yeah, and Hercules has to not uh, flinch at the punch. He's, you know, that whole thing. Not even react. And what I like, so first there's the punch in the gut, but then he does a flying neck kick. Just this rando knows good enough to kung fu to do (laughs) a flying neck kick to this guy, but it still does nothing to him. In Uganda, everybody know kung fu. It's it's a it's totally that same kind of thing, and 
of course, Bolo just full body tosses the guy back into the crowd. Just get the fuck out of here with this shit. <laughs> yeah. So, but of course, we have a more serious villain, or not not even a villain. He's sort of a gray character. He he's gray. He is a mysterious wanderer who just came into town. I don't think we ever find out why or you know he's a mysterious wanderer. He's just about fighting. Nothing matters to him more than the glory of battle. And I think he mentions this in this scene, and then that's all we ever get in terms of character development for him until he has a bit of a redemption arc. A bit. Uh, Yeah, so he he actually kind of reminds me of somebody who didn't make the cut for a Zatoichi rival samurai. Absolutely. He definitely has that sort of Zatoichi guy energy. Because uh, he's really serious, he's all about the glory of battle, and he's not really interested in anything else. Mm-hmm. But he's he ends up working with the bad guys. And his battle with Bolo is kind of a real battle. Like We, we get to see uh, a step up in ability, because we, we've been shown that Bolo is really tough. So now we get to do a power demonstration of one of our actual characters by showing this tough guy get taken down. <laughs> yeah, Hercules gets, uh, I, think they, I think they call it the wharf effect. It's like, well, we got to show how, uh, yeah. how threatening this guy is, so let's, uh, let's have him beat up wharf. Poor Worf. It is it is such a shame on TNG all the time when Worf just is taken down so easily over and over again. And it's diminishing returns for the Worf effect. Oh, it, of course it is. <laughs> it works in a movie. It's it's harder on a TV series when this is a character who has to consistently be theoretically tough. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, sooner or later, you got to start putting the theory into practice or it doesn't work. Right. Uh, We also get sort of an idea of how Chen fights, which is kind of cool. He he uses headbutts. That's his big weapon. His forehead is extremely powerful. Yeah. um, So powerful that all the hair fell out. Yeah. I mean, I guess he removed it for the purpose of just like pure cranial energy. The hair would the hair would. Hair that thick would be quite a cushion and would reduce the effect of the headbutt, so it's got to go. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get to it with our our, uh, Japanese retainers and their hair, which is (laughs) a a different kind of problem. Oh, (laughs) man. (laughs) Hairstyles in these movies are always fun. They're very interesting because most of them are really fake, too. (laughs) They have a lot of very strange hair. These Uh, ones... These ones aren't too bad. Yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're fairly realistic in this one. So, like, he gets in a really good headbutt, and the, immediately we see uh, uh, Bolo staggered by it. So he's like, oh, wow, the, this guy is a powerful head. <laughs> and, yeah, like, so... a, a clay pot is thrown at him, and he just busts through it with his head. <laughs> yeah, so uh, eventually, eventually he just takes out Bolo or Hercules. Yeah, so like we 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 also see that he has really great leaping power. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, leap sail just sails clean over him when when uh, he charges like a bull, mm-hmm. and that's how he takes him out. Uh, he he sails over him and then he headbutts him from behind in the back and he's just out. Yeah, and uh, so large large adult son mistakes what trope he what trope this character is. 
oh yeah he reads this situation so wrong he he thinks that this guy is the wharf so that he can prove his strength in battle and it's like no dude you don't understand this is this is the ringer to kill the hero uh you're about to get your you're about to get yourself killed and i guess there's also the subtext that i guess bolo is sort of a scam they're running to just like bilk money out of wannabe uh kung fu people because he's like he considers himself the boss after uh, the mini boss of Bolo. It's like, well, you beat that guy, but you have to beat me if you want that reward money. Yeah, th- this guy, he has like pretend gang leader energy, even yeah. though he is a real gang leader. He just he is. He's just so shitty. He's so yeah. slimy and gross that it just it feels like he doesn't know what he's doing, and it feels like he's all talk. Right. So I, I have his name here, uh, Tian Chung. Okay. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. The, a lot of these are difficult for us. Yeah. Apologies yeah. for any mispronunciations. I mean, it, there's also the issue that there are multiple different subtitle versions. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll just have to make do. We'll, we'll usually work with a shortened version. So Meng Tunshun is his dad. He's just Meng for the most part. And he yeah. shows up and he's like, we're not doing this fight. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might be my son who is going to win the tournament in the name of evil, but you're not smart. <laughs> well, you're not good enough. <laughs> you're not good enough. Yeah. Well, yeah, he has to like he still has to cheat to get his son into the to get his son high up into the tournament by basically just taking out anyone who could beat him. Yeah, exactly. And um, Meng is like, I'm sorry, Chang. Just please, please ignore my son. Please, just come have a drink. I, I'd like you to work with us. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that you got caught up in my son's uh, make-believe street gang. Um, but also, please continue to assist my son with his make-believe street gang. Right. And Meng kind of reminds me as well of like a rival boss in a Zatoichi film in that like he seems to some people when he needs to be that he's an honorable man but it's a really thin veneer oh yeah like he basically like everybody in the streets knows that the sun is a dick because the sun does nothing to hide it but when Meng comes out of the streets he's like no we won't we won't sully the honor blah 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 and then when he's back out is like don't be evil in public you dink yeah and so we learn the, the this stranger. We we hadn't gotten his name by now. At this point, we learn it is Chen Lang, and they're like, "We need your help to defeat Mister Sun uh, Sun Xu Pei." Uh, and their thing is, they're going to win this tournament because that will allow them to take over Huabei somehow. Uh, th- this is one of those question marks profit uh, plans <laughs> that, that, all the way through. I don't really uh, understand how it fits together, but like this will work. We're just going to take I over the city. I think it's like there's a loophole in Chinese government law where if you topple the right school, you're the prime minister of China or, or something. It's weird. It, it definitely has kind of that universal monsters Europe kind of thing where it's like it's a version of China that is semi-recognizable in terms of myth and legend as well as semi-modern like it's not the present day 
but it's not the distant past, but it's also not really any recognizable distinct period or place. It's just... Uh, yeah, it's like it has its own rules that are consistent within itself, but not related to anything else in the real world. Like, you know, people who win kung fu tournaments are... The king. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of like John Wick in that regard. And, and yeah. like the whole assassin under thing where like secretly everybody's an assassin. Right. And we we learn here that it was uh, Tian Sun who sent the thugs after our master Sung. Uh, and he's like, I wonder what's keeping Wan. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this should have been done by now. I sent him to assassinate a master of a martial arts school. Why isn't he's he got, back yet? I mean, he's got that pimp jacket. I'm sure he can handle it. And oh, I really yeah. like the the cut to one just strolling into town, very full of himself, just looking arch <laughs> as hell. He's like, yeah, I lost. I, I screwed up, but whatever. I'm one. <laughs> it, see, it reminds me of that guy in the L.A. Bounty, the thug who kept walking back to Wingshauser and doesn't understand why Wings is mad at him. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you fucking idiot. What? What? What do you Except mean? You literally <laughs> didn't do the thing I sent you to do. Except with this guy, it sort of works. He really does walk between the raindrops. Like, he's the only one of the evil organization who comes out the other end of it. <laughs> I think it's because he, like, we don't see it happen, I don't think. But I think this guy just knew when to cut and run. Oh, definitely. Like, he was just doing spying for the latter half of the movie. He gets beaten up in this scene, and then he's just kind of on the sidelines for the rest of it. He isn't even wounded. He's just hanging out. He's like, I'm not yeah. getting into that shit again. That's not my deal. <laughs> I have minions for this. He does. Because, like, he's got all of his own thugs. And one of them's like, hey, why don't we kidnap this singer girl? Because uh, uh, Tian Sung, he likes singers. We'll, we'll just, it'll it'll make the failure better. We'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> we didn't defeat the rival master, but we kidnapped a princess. Yeah, it, it just as good. Just and, as good. And with Tian Tsung's uh, non-understanding of tropes, it's like, oh, yeah, this won't uh, inspire heroes to kill me. No. So he's, he just like goes right up to her and is like, hey, I want you to come with me. Meet my young master. He loves singing. And she's like, <laughs> no. And he's like, I, I definitely insist. And she bites him, which is really great. Yeah. <laughs> and she runs off and hides in a bar where, of course, Si Hao is eating. Oh, yeah. So has has Si Hao gone to Master Soon yet or not yet? Not yet. He, he okay. come because he hooks up with or, her and they travel to the town together. Oh, right. OK, OK. So like the thugs immediately recognize him as Sung's disciple because he ran them off in the mm -hmm. previous scene. So uh, one of the guys goes after him and he just slaps him aside into a pillar and his head leaves just a bloody mark on the pillar. <laughs> it's like, whoa! <laughs> it's a very bloody film, actually. Just like Chinese Boxer, it's, it's quite excruciatingly bloody in a really fun way, especially once he has the iron fist technique. Oh, oh yeah, I love yeah. those handprints. <laughs> once we'll, he starts we'll like fighting the... <laughs> 
what once like the villains start really killing people oh yeah <laughs> and he makes really short work of these guys of course they're of nothing course. to him Thug, uh, they're they're like ninjas in a ninja movie they're they don't ever land a hit right i i really like that he gets one to actually take out the last of them himself. He just, <laughs> he just ducks and one takes out his own guy. And then he just like throws a bunch of dough in one's face and he's done. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He just walks away. He doesn't even finish the play. He's like, I'm bored now. He's like, we're done here. This is stupid. I'll, I'll leave with Yen. Uh, so this is Yen, <laughs> Yen Chu Hung, who is a traveling musician, which is interesting. Yeah, um, she is immediately love in love with Shihan, which, fair. Absolutely fair. I mean, he saved her life right here. And huh. he rides to Baoding with them, which I think is the main town. I think so. Yeah, because that's where the bad guy headquarters is and uh, Soon's school. Yeah, and she's like, I could use a bodyguard. So he's like, okay. And that night, she sneaks into bed to cuddle up beside him because she's spooked by wolves howling and also, you know, hot guy. Yeah, and he's like, uh, I'm... He's like, troubled. Yeah. Oh, no, he doesn't even say I'm going to be married. He's just like, hey, no, we shouldn't be doing this. It's not right, because he's yeah. think like, he, we even get, just to make it super clear, we do get a flash of yin-yang and them being happy and laughing together. Just to make it really yeah. clear that that's what he's thinking about. Well, he could tell her that, though. Like, he could tell you that. He could have told her that. It takes a long time for her to understand that he has another girl. Because otherwise it sounds like he's just being Mike Pence. Yeah. And just like, mother won't allow me to to stand (laughs) within six feet of a woman. So, Shihao reports to uh, Mr. Sun. And it's an interesting scene because he demonstrates his abilities against the instructor guy Han Lung, who Han Lung is an inf- unfortunate character who uh, yeah. you, you learn to hate and then also has a bit of a weird redemption arc as well after just going through the ringer. Yeah, his plan, well, the plan he comes up with later on is definitely a question mark profit plan we'll we'll get into it because right and it's it's all tied up in yen as well because he has some sort of past with yen that we don't know about for a while but he wants to get with yen and he is jealous of both yen wanting to be with xihao as well as mr sun preferring xihao than him he he's really just ousted altogether Uh, he I, I kind of feel for the guy considering the, the direction it all takes, but he makes some very bad decisions along the way. Yeah, he his his plan is bad. His the, his execution of his plan is bad. He he's just he he gets dealt a shitty hand and doesn't does not play it well. No, although he does ultimately make good on it a little bit. But, like, at this yes. first point, he's pretty impressive. He takes out Xihao. Like, he is all, he, he's better trained than him. He, yep. uh, uh, Xihao takes a couple falls, and Sun seems pretty unimpressed with him. It's like, well, you're not qualified for my school. You can work in the kitchen, but I, I'm not training you. I'm sorry. You're not good enough. 
Yeah, so so here we enter the cruel tutelage of Pi Bay. Which is like three scenes, to be it's fair. It's three scenes, yeah. <laughs> but you get the idea. Um, he's he's doing kitchen work, and every now and again, uh, Master Soon will just come and fuck with him. Just, like, throw a spear at him or whatever, and, like, right. hey... Just throw a bunch of shit at him. It's it's pure think fast training. Nothing else. If you're serious about martial arts, you should always be ready for this shit. If you can catch a hammer, you can catch a ball. So he catches two spears thrown at him by Sun. And finally, he's like, "Okay, you're good enough. I, I respect you for your diligence, for your lack of complaint, for me being a bastard to you. So you are a student. Yeah, apparently a whole year. It, apparently it's like a whole three year. Scenes. It seems like it was two days in the movie. Like, you could very easily miss that a lot of time passed. Yeah, because nobody else is making moves at this time. No, because we just don't <laughs> even look at anyone else. It's just, like this movie is edited to the bone. Even though it's like an hour 45, there's no wasted time. It is just all momentum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see one already here spying on the school and reporting to Tian Sung and Cheng about what's going on with Xiao, that he is now a student. And Chen's like, I'll take care of it tomorrow. But then Xiao just walks right in to get some takeout because they're just like hanging out at a bar. Yep. <laughs> so so Chen's like, oh, actually, I'll take care of this now. Yeah, it's like, hey, you smelly farmer's son. <laughs> You're stinking up the whole bar, and also you don't smell good, and, and other stink-related insults. And he yeah. pours some liquor on him. Yeah, I, I think sake or wine or something. And yeah. He's like, I'm going to break every bone in your body. And to Shia's credit, he's, he doesn't rise to it. He's just like, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm I'm leaving. And Tian Sung trips him on the way out and he just does a rad flip and he still saves the drink. Like he tosses it in the air and catches it. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like <laughs> this scene is him being pure cool, totally unfazed by any of this bullshit. But because he doesn't take the bait, there's this whole thread for a little while of him being supposedly a coward because there's an onlooker from the school. It's like, that wasn't right. You should have you, beat those guys up. You just let them talk shit about our school, even though he never mentioned the school. Yeah. You have like, disgraced our school. It's like, I didn't disgrace fuck all. I did that cool thing that you do when someone's below you. Yeah, and it's not fair to how especially because ultimately when he does go after them shortly, like a couple scenes from now, the master's like, why are you raising trouble? You know better than that. It's like, yeah, I do know like, better than that. But everybody was like you and everybody else were like, well, you're a coward for not fighting them that time. Like, what am I supposed to do? It's a no win situation. It's yeah, I guess it's like, well, you can't just go back and fix it after you didn't fight. You can't just you don't get a mulligan on that. I I, yeah. I think is why. I don't know. I, it's I think it's just more a thing of Shihao can't win. Uh, maybe, yeah. I do kind of feel like the master wasn't into, wasn't in on them condemning him as a coward for not fighting because right. he was That's the one who gave him shit Han. for fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And but, Han, of course, setting up Shihao to 
yeah, Han has a whole like he's setting up how to fail. Yeah, right. And and that's like right away Chen goes to the school and and this is much like that scene at the beginning of the Chinese boxer like he I think both of them do the same thing where like they jump up and remove the name plaque from above the door to start. Yeah, and comes in holding it and just punches it in half. It's like well rules. He's toppling. He's going to topple the school now. That's... Time. And he he gets a start on it right away. He takes out three students just immediately. One of them gets kicked up through the ceiling. One goes through a wall. I want to see a kung fu movie where somebody topples the school by using students to take out the support beams, literally topping toppling the school. I mean, that probably does exist. There's so that, many of it these. Must. It and that's must. like it's such a trope. The like. We're, I'm going to topple your school, and that now we're going to be rivals. Well, apparently, I remember seeing in a documentary years and years back, that actually happened to Bruce Lee once. Well, yeah, and like, uh, like Fist of Fury is based on an historical incident that is still the same story as Chinese Boxer and this. <laughs> so, you know. So, Xi uh, Hao is about to fight him right away, and Han is like, step aside you're a coward (laughs) i was just gonna fight them are you kidding me i'm i'm going to fight them now the opposite of cowardice i'm defending the honor of the school from a guy who's in the school no no No. screw you you i just don't think you should ever have a chance to live and grow and hilariously han is just bodied immediately (laughs) (laughs) han doesn't win a fight until until he the wins very one fight, and uh, I mean, he wins that one pretty decisively in a fun sort of way. But he has to go through a lot to get there. He, but here, <laughs> he goes on a path. Yeah, here he gets just head butted three times, then he just goes through a wall, and that's that's him for a while. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Tuming steps up, but and he's holding his own until he gets I think his nose gets broken and then Sun shows up and so like we don't get more with Taming and I don't think we ever get another fight with Taming I don't think we do which is weird it really does I seem mean, strange to me we must not because that's why I keep forgetting he exists yeah because there, there's really only one other thing that he does because he goes back to the other town and like he he's sort of there as the buddy he's always corralling Shihao to do different things yeah i guess he's kind of like the krillin and that eventually goku the gap between him and goku is just too great he's, there's no point in him showing up to the fights anymore i guess so and sun faces off against cheng and he's just completely easily wrecking his shit up. But then, of course, uh, Chang has a cheap shot headbutt. Uh-huh. I think I've seen Soon before. Uh, was he in Chinese Boxer as well? I know a few Probably. actors from this were. A bunch of them are. I, I think he might be the old master in that as well. I know Okada <laughs> is also the bad guy uh, in Chinese Boxer and... Uh, Ying Ying is the main girl in Chinese Boxer as well. Yeah, yeah. Okada is in Chinese Boxer, but he plays he plays the Meng role almost. Right, exactly. He's the guy who's in charge of and who uh, gets the Japanese uh, karate guys to come into town rather than being the main karate guy in that one. Mm-hmm. But like this is the this is why I feel like Shiha really can't win because again. 
uh, when uh, there's the cheap headbutt that kind of like staggers Sun, Shihao is like, all right, I'm stepping up to fight. But then Sun stops him and is like, nope, you're no match for him. And Han is like, nope, you're a coward. You can't do this. And it's like, dude, he he just was going to go fight the guy that bodied you like you were absolutely nothing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You coward trying to trying to fight the guy after you just saw him kick my ass after seeing how strong he is and you then going coward. to fight him. You coward. <laughs> Han, he sucks. He does suck a lot here. And like, I, I had kind of forgotten the path of Han from my previous watching of the movie. And I, I had in my notes, like uh, right before a certain moment uh, that was like, I mean, Han kind of deserves everything coming to him. And then ultimately I was like, he doesn't deserve that though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and maybe, maybe. Yeah. So <laughs> she, how obviously like it's a few hours later. It's like, I'm going to go settle things. Fuck this. And he just yeah. goes right to the same bar and he pays Chang back the same way. He pours liquor on his head and punches him just square in the face. Yep. And and then he's and that and then this is where the master's like, You weren't supposed to do that. You seriously like you stirred up shit and now we're actually gonna be in trouble. Yeah, although it's it's sort of a fake out that he pretends that he's upset, but uh, well, like first, so the the fight is pretty great. Uh, lots of broken tables and pots. Oh you know, yes, they're, they're fighting in a bar. Uh, yeah. We we also see that Xihao has a pretty killer headbutt of his own. He does a flying headbutt when Chen rushes him. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he takes out Chen with a pot. He just like hits him over the head with a pot real bad, and he pretty much takes him the fuck out like he is out of commission for some time like we see him injured and like unable to fight for a while yeah well he's injured enough that our bad guy has to get another uh, another uh um what do you call it another ringer another, he has to get uh, three rival, of them <laughs> another rival quote-unquote rival samurai although in this case i think they are former samurai yeah, probably. That does seem it, to be the case. Although it's one of them's a karate expert, or two yeah. of them are karate experts, and one's a one's, judo expert. Yeah, one's karate, one's judo. I'm not sure what Okada's leader is. is. He's probably one of those knows all the styles guys. I guess so. I mean, he he does end up being the final boss. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's a crowd formed while the fight's going on. So someone from the crowd goes to tell everyone at the school that Chihau is just like kicking ass. And, yeah, he goes back and Sun reprimands him very briefly, but he can't stay mad. <laughs> yeah, you kind of disgraced our school, but you know what? Like, as the he's best saying, one like the, get... the very moment he's saying it, he's like unlocking a secret drawer and pulling out his iron palm technique manual. Oh, shit. <laughs> but I think I can teach you this and not anyone else. And Juan is just like outside spying at the same time, always. And he's like, oh, I better go run and tell them. <laughs> he's like that guy from OSS 117. Exactly. He's always on the phone. He's like, now he's leaving the hotel. Like, he's getting calling in a cab. Me. Stop calling me. I don't care. <laughs> and like, Sun is basically like, look, 
all that kitchen stuff, it was some Karate Kid bullshit. I just wanted to test your patience and toughen you up, but I think you're ready for the Iron Fist technique. But listen, only use it for justice. <laughs> Don't use it for personal duels. Nope. Because, I mean, it's an extremely dangerous technique. You could kill someone oh, yes. with it, and he's going to kill a lot of people with it. He's going to kill a lot of people with it. But they deserve it. It's justice. Mm-hmm. So we cut to Meng. Uh, you know, he's reeling from the attack. He feels bad about Cheng being beaten up uh, in that he can't use him anymore. So he's like, yeah. I know this guy, Okada. And he describes him as a Japanese karate expert at this point. And he's like, I'm going to get him they'll deal with this problem for me. Uh, I, I don't really think my son can beat him, but if we take him out, my son can rule this place. Yeah, yeah. We just need to take out all the fighters with names, and then my son can kill the the normies. Yeah, uh, the randos. The, those are the ones he can fight. That's fine. And we get some classic Iron Fist training montage. We, we get the, the plunging hands into burning coals. I, th- I think uh, this is also a big part of uh, David Carradine's Kung Fu. Oh, uh, yeah, it is, On, isn't on it? the TV series. Oh, the, like, I was thinking Kill Bill. Oh, probably in Kill Bill as well, but like on the TV series Kung Fu, uh, he basically plays, you know, a, a, an Iron Fist character back in the oh, 70s. Okay. Great show, oh, cool. by the way. Right on. I, I never so, saw it. Yeah, and I feel like his character in, in Kill Bill is essentially just an extension of that, but as a bad guy instead of mm. you know a good guy. So you know he we we have the whole training montage and Han Lung is real sore about it. Why can't I learn the Iron Fist? I just get my ass kicked by everybody, but I was here longer. Yeah, it's stay away from my dad. Even though it's you know he he wants him to be his <laughs> oh, yeah, dad right. figure. His, yeah, he, I don't think he's actually his dad. He just like oh, that's kind wants, of the vibe I got. But it definitely yeah, maybe... is that vibe. He he's he wants <laughs> Mr. Seward, will you be my dad? <laughs> <laughs> my real dad doesn't love you. Yes, well, yeah, I understand. <laughs> and he's like he wants Shi Hao to fight him, and she has yeah. like. No, I I don't want to fight you. We're I'm I'm training here, and like we're Han in the same it. school, we're fighting the same bad guys. Yeah, he he wants to start this rivalry, but Shi Hao is so above it and is just so uninterested in it. And like he yeah. he tries to hit him and make him mad, and he's like, no, no, we're not doing this. Uh, and then we 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 cut back to the old town. We see Ying Ying receiving her first letter from Xi Hao. Apparently she sent lots. He's not great at writing, I guess. Yeah, maybe, you know, if you're working in a kitchen for a year, you don't have the energy to write letters. I guess. Kitchen works hard. Yeah. Uh, we, we see that Sung is teaching little kids. It's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sung uh, being the first master. Yes, it's, it's that that is a difficult thing that there's Sung and Sun. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that, that does make it a little <laughs> it, bit more it, difficult. It took me a bit to realize that they were referring to two different characters. It's like and it wasn't just like a spelling mistake or something in the subtitles. Yeah, like it's just one letter difference. So it, it is kind of tough. Uh, I, I really like that Ying Ying has this classic dream sequence of the two of them running towards each other. Oh, across yeah, the field. in slow motion. 
Yeah. Uh, classic. Just the, the most cliched thing, but it totally works. Uh, and then we, we see Okada and his two retainers arriving at the Baijing school to meet with Meng. And these guys' hair. <laughs> these fucking guys. Their hair. Right? I'm trying, <laughs> I've been trying to figure out the words to describe their hair. Like, one guy looks like he's trying to be Zach De La Rocha from Rage Against the Machine. Uh, they have a new metal vibe, for sure, the two of them. The, but, like, they also kind of look like cavemen. Kind of, like the Geico cavemen. Like they, it, It's not a flattering portrayal of Japanese people. And, and that's sort of like a subtext, especially in these earlier kung fu movies. Oh, there's yeah. sort of There's a distinct rivalry between China and Japan. And, like, these movies are very nationalist for China. So, like... Uh-huh. Any any depiction of Japanese people is kind of negative and kind of like they're violent and bad and they use weapons, whereas we just use our bare hands. And that's more manly, right? There, there's a whole masculinity thing to it. Oh, yeah, that that <laughs> I never thought about it that deeply, like with the weapon thing. But yes, that definitely makes sense, because a lot of them they do say like, oh, in a lot of these like, oh, only a coward would use a gun in like, say some Japanese shows or whatever. So I guess mm. the extension, the logical extension of that is, oh, only a coward would use a sword. Would use like a weapon beyond your like natural abilities that like the, the, the power of Kung Fu is such that you have it within your body. Uh, although of course there are ones with like, you know, legendary weapons of China that we watched where there are all these important Kung Fu weapons, but you know, it, that, that's sort of like, you have to be evenly matched. Both people need to have a weapon. Well, oh, yeah. these guys and, are always willing to fight a bare-handed man with swords. Yeah. Um, and well, their hair. <laughs> well, there, there was the one where uh, where their whole thing was like, we won't stoop to using guns. We will actually learn how to become bulletproof. Oh, yeah. That, that, uh, that was Legendary was Weapons that? of China. Oh, was that Legendary Weapons? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I I've so we've seen so many in the last few weeks that like they kind of run blend together because like all of them end in exactly the same way. The last fight is <laughs> over and the villain is killed and then the end just drops on the screen and it's over. <laughs> Sometimes like, the characters don't even leave the arena. We we don't need a denouement. We know who won the fight. That's all that matters. <laughs> we don't need to see Shihao uh, getting on the boat with the elves. No, he, he's not going to go to the other lands. And so, like, these guys' hair. Th- this is a, an issue that I have with this movie. It's like, both of them have, like, the two retainer guys, not Okada, but his his yeah. other guys. They have really long, really messy hair that's always hanging in their face and in their eyes. Like, it's so bad for kung fu. Like, very poor visibility. Well... Well, yes. Um, I mean, this is why samurais have a top knot. You know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and why like, it's a huge insult to cut it. Yeah. Well, maybe these guys are former samurai who've had their Could top be. knot cut. Yeah, they, and, they like, may be disgraced. It's been cut. Yeah, because like, if you've if you've had that shit cut, you can't just grow your hair back out and put it into another top knot. That you've lost your top knot privilege. It's a matter of honor, yeah. Yeah, kind of like the same idea. If a luchador ever loses their mask, they can't just put it back on and fight again. They're, right, that's a big done. deal. I mean, yeah. 
kayfabe is very real both in the world of samurai and in the world of lucha mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, i can't remember where it was sorry i mean I'm, no no i don't want to go no absolutely i can't remember if it was us who talked about it or another podcast i listened to <laughs> that went that went on about like uh yeah like just how much of a disgrace and like how dishonorable it was if a luchador lost their mask like your career is over and like i may you have go about your daily when I was life in santo yeah like you're supposed to go about your daily life in your mask well like certainly in the movies like santo has uh, like he has tons of different movies and he always wears the mask like he <laughs> is santo in those yeah. movies like he's not a guy who wrestles and works as santo like he's santo on and off all the time like he there there is no non-santo time so yeah, of course way off topic <laughs> right so like uh the retainers and okada meet with meng and he's like i need you to topple this school for me uh just you know go kill people on and off uh, take out whoever you see anytime you see someone from that school just kill them for me could you oh yeah i love killing people I, that's what we do we we kill because so we're, we're Japanese. In, yeah, we're we're introduced to this guy two way. Uh, it's the only scene he has because uh, I think he is killed here. It's not totally clear, but I think we're we're meant to take from it that they kill the shit out of him because like they accost him, like he's just going down an alley, and the three of them show up and they're like, "Hey, everyone at Shang Wu's school is a coward," even though it's three on one here. <laughs> <laughs> And two-way is obviously no match for them. And, like, he's not even a match for Okada alone. Okada can kick a tree in half, as he demonstrates. Yeah, like, they talk about, like, cowardice and honor, but these guys don't have it. Right, and I I think that's sort of baked into it, that, like, they're always talking about honor and calling people cowards, but they're always showing up if ambushes. They always have weapons versus someone who is unarmed, and they always have way more of them. And willing to attack civilians. Of course. And, like, ultimately, uh, it doesn't go well for him. We we very soon cut to him being rolled back to the school on a cart, and they just slide his body across the floor through the doors. Yeah, there's there's a few ways to announce, uh, to declare war on a school. These guys, have, uh, these guys are going down the list. It's a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. And, well, uh, they can't Han- break the sign in half anymore. It's already broken, unless they built another one. I mean, who knows how much time has passed this time? I don't know. Good point. I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) So we get a little bit of backstory with Han Lung. He runs into Yen, and we clearly get this ex-girlfriend vibe. Like, there's a distinct vibe that they know each other and that he's still into her, but she is not into him. And, like, she pretty much immediately, so, like, I hear this guy, Xi Hao, that I met who saved my life is going to your school. I, I'm wondering how he's doing. He's like, <laughs> again with Xi Hao. He pieces out of there. He's really angry. And he passes Tian Sung at the door, who sends Wan to go get him. And it's like, hmm. They, they And he corners, or I, I guess Wan gets the Japanese guys and Tiansung, and they all corner him. And instead of fighting, which, I mean, it would be stupid. You would be killed here. But he does the cowardly thing, and he's like, oh, maybe I'll talk to Meng, and we'll uh, 
make a deal. No, no, the cowardly thing would be to fight. He's doing the honorable <laughs> thing and using a nonviolent solution right. for himself. Yeah, and he he warns Meng that Chi Hao is learning the Iron Fist. And he's got a real grudge about it because he wants to learn the Iron Fist and it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, and Meng's just like, I don't care about yeah. that. I, you know, I'm I not really interested like, in your drama, dude. <laughs> I really like the actor who plays the son. Like his body language just completely pulls off the type of guy that this is. Like you can he's, tell he's a piece of shit. He's got such a swagger to him. He feels like a matinee idol. Like he's he's got that beautiful face. He doesn't yeah. look like someone who's fighting all the time and gets punched a lot. No, no. And, and like one thing, uh, he's always got a cigarette in his hand and he's always, always and he's all in his other hand. He's always like playing with these two. I thought they were marbles, but now I think they might be something different, which we'll get to. I like to imagine they're Benoit balls. <laughs> oh, uh, you'd have to look it dear. up. Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, God. So. Han lures Shi Hao to a pagoda for them with a letter that he pretends is from Yen. Uh, and obviously it's an ambush. Uh-huh. But Shi Hao has already been doing Iron Fist training for a while, and he's got some of that tech. And he takes out a couple guys real quick, just like he hits them with the with the palm and they're just destroyed. <laughs> yeah, Han does not stay to fight. Of course not. He He's no. just setting it up. And yeah. then the rest of them reveal themselves. And there's a pretty awesome battle because all of them have swords and he mm-hmm. is unarmed. But like yeah. there's a lot of stop stabbing yourself kind of action. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of that. Yes. <laughs> uh, which goes pretty well for him. Sorry. Go ahead. I like to think that Han justifies it by saying, well, I'm not going to attack Shi Hao before the uh, thing. So I'm being honorable. Not yeah. like that coward she how. All I'm doing is trading in information. Yeah. I, I'm not in charge of what Meng does with the information. Yeah. Or what he does when I bring she how here. Or when I, when I tell him his weaknesses. And like, it's, it's interesting. I feel like there could have been a movie from the point of view of Han. Like this whole movie could be a Han movie with just a slightly different ending because He's kind of going through it and you, you sort of understand his plight in that, like, there's this new guy in town who's just better than him at everything. And he's doing everything he can. But like this guy showed up into town and stole his girl and his dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's just really hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in that movie that you're describing, he'd. Yeah, he'd, like. He's not the protagonist above it here. And, Yeah, yeah. He would he would use that to become the protagonist and be like, oh, we could be friends and join the team and yada, 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 and both work to enhance our school and get rid of evil, but no. And, like, really, the, I want only Daddy. Thing, the only thing that would really need to change is, like, the last two scenes, because yeah, actually, uh, yeah. you, you can totally have, like... A lot of people in Kung Fu movies, a lot of protagonists go through really catastrophic injuries and come back from them. I mean, Shi Hao is about to right now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the whole point of Crippled Avengers. Yeah, oh, that movie is nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's also in the set. set. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw it. 
that's one I've seen a couple times before, and it is way crazy. So, of course, the karate guys ultimately step in and uh, things go south for Shihao because it's a bunch of them and they're all really well trained. And there's like already a dozen guys here and they tie him to a tree and break his hands. Yep. Yep. They uh, they say destroy his hands. And, and they, uh, yeah. they fuck him up. They fuck him up. Good. Yen finds him laying in the road and she takes him to nurse him and make him better. And they're like, well, my, your hands will heal, but you're going to have to give up fighting, which doesn't end up being the case. Cause you know, it's a matter of willpower. Even if your hands are completely destroyed by thugs, you can still fight a Kung Fu tournament in a couple months. <laughs> yes. Especially if you have a training montage. And I really like the Yen here when he's kind of moaning about, like, fighting's all I know. Well, how, how am I going to proceed with my life? And Yen's like, bitch, I support myself. I'm a single girl, and you can't do anything but fight, please. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, like, being a single girl in China in this era... Whatever gotta be strange hard. era this is. Well, I mean, like, yeah. there, there were can't people willing to just take her and, like... Give her just to their take boss. You and get, yeah, yeah. You're actually not a person. You're a gift. Yeah. So I really feel for Yen, and we 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 get like sort of a sense that maybe the two of them are going to be a couple, and it does feel like that would be sort of satisfying because Yen deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Yen is a powerful character who is really. Uh, giving to him like she is really uh important for his safety like she saves him essentially here yeah oh yeah and he sort of just throws her away which is kind of unfair yeah it's kind of like hey thanks for whatever personal sacrifice you had to do to nurse me back to health bye peace though uh and so we, we cut to han back at the school telling sun that uh, Shihao is just shacked up with this singer. That's why he's missing. It's like, that's a half-truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Soon just looks at him as like, I don't think sorry, so. what? Yeah, and Taming too. It's like, yeah, Taming is like, he so, wouldn't man. do that? Are you saying I'm lying? And Soon just looks at him like, you can see the side eye. Yeah, they're all like, sure, brother. <laughs> we'll yeah. see about that. And Taming starts following him. So Han is out and he runs into Yen again. It's like, oh, hell, just, uh, you know, I, I was just like passing by. I don't know. I, I, what, it's fancy meeting you here. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't just waiting down the road. I know you always go on your way to work. Yeah. And Shihao is getting medicine for, or uh, Yen is getting medicine for Shihao. And oh, yeah, that's right. And he's like, are you sick? That's medicine. I saw you buy it because I. Because I'm obviously pay attention to yeah I pay attention to all your purchases because I'm not creepy and he's like going to follow her but uh, Teming throws an egg in his face like secretly (laughs) (laughs) oh I was wondering where see (laughs) freaking Teming I don't know he just doesn't stick in my head I thought it was just a civilian threw an egg at this guy. Just for fun. <laughs> just, just for fun. It's like, yeah, this guy seems like he's being a dick. 
Right. So yeah, Taming is just kind of hiding down an alley and watching what's going on because he's he was on to uh, uh, he he was on to Han right away. It's like there's oh, no yeah. way that Shiha would do that. So yeah, he's not going to miss a tournament for this or miss um, whatever they're doing. The tournament, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's coming up. The tournament. We we learn here that it's a month away. Yes. So, she gets away because, you know, Han's got an egg in his face and he's like, that would hurt too. get an egg square in the face. That would really hurt. Eggs are hard. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, the Cavalier, uh, I, there, there is a spot on the hood of the Cavalier where an egg was thrown at it one time when I was driving past the university. And oh, God. like, just that's how hard those shells are. Like it, it just it can chip the paint of a car instantly. Damn, I never never thought about that. I've never been hit with an egg before. I mean, it's got to hurt. Yeah, I So guess. she gets away, and Taming, obviously, he threw the egg, so he's watching her, and he follows her, so he's able to find uh, Shi Hao. And he's got a letter from Ying Ying. He's like, listen, I want you to come back to the school. The thing with your hands doesn't matter. We'll fight through it. Just pull yourself together. Come on, it's a month till the tournament. We need you, bro. <laughs> It's like I some some thugs destroyed my hands. You want me to fight people in a month? It's like, yeah, that's that's exactly what I want. Yeah. Use the power of montage. And I really feel for Yen here. She cries while the two of them leave together. It's like, come on. That's not fair. Yeah. And then we cut to back home in the first town where Sung is attacked, of course, by Okada and the retainers. And this is where we get some of that wire foo. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a hell of a fight. Um, but in the end, they kill him so hard. They kill him thrice. <laughs> they like Okada does a chop on the top of his head that like splits his skull open down the middle. You, There's it's, like a big red bloody hole where he hit him with his karate chop. And then each samurai takes turns disemboweling him. It's yeah, like, and before that, they'd broken his other arm because, you know, his arm had been broken at the beginning or was in a sling. Yeah. They'd break the other arm. Yeah. Um, uh, but despite all this, he still somehow has time to give his last words. Yeah, this he is- dies in Ying Ying's arms after being killed three times. <laughs> Oh, man, people who grew up watching movies are going to be real disappointed when they find out that you don't always get to do that when you die. Yeah. So Shi Hao, obviously, he does return to training. His hands are still pretty fucked, but Sun and Taming give him the encouragement he needs to battle through the pain. <laughs> yep. It's a montage. You know, it's it's our great yep. Iron Fist tech montage, which is cool. And I think there's the part where the spy guy like reports to uh, Meng being like, hey, watch out. Uh, Shi Hao is doing a training montage right now. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if uh, Tian Sung is really going to be able to do anything against this. And like, I know, I know. We'll we'll send guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like, I know, I know. We'll <laughs> <laughs> and Tian Sung is like, uh, what are you talking about? I can fucking kill this guy. Yeah, he's like, I can do this. He's very full of himself. Like, right dad, after the fight, he's like, yeah, I, I'm going to do this. This is going to be great. 
The dad knows better. <laughs> the dad knows exactly what the capabilities of each piece of each of his chess pieces is, and is like, mm, this chess piece won't be able to do that. Yeah, not so much. So we we get the internal uh, in school tournament ending with Han and Shihao sparring for like the title to be who is going to be the tournament fighter, and Shihao wins so easily. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's obvious. Like it's so obvious, but like there is just nothing to it. He he beats him and is like, well. Uh, yep, yeah, so Shihao is the winner. Shihao uh, <laughs> is such a coward, making himself get stronger before a tournament begins? What happened to just fighting with your own strength that you actually have? Coward. It's not like Han, he didn't practice at all in the interim. I mean, we certainly didn't see him have a montage. <laughs> no, because he's not a coward. He doesn't, he doesn't need the power of montage to enter a tournament. Well does but that's because of the cowardly montage using shihao yeah i mean he doesn't get a montage for his conclusion which could have been interesting like actually yeah that would have been because he he does do some work off screen he definitely does he he puts he puts in some work we just don't get to see it and we don't get to see the hint that he's doing it either because at this point he hasn't started right because after him losing this fight is when things really start to go south for him because he goes to Meng again. He's like, listen, let's just ambush him again. We'll do the same thing. We'll just break his hands again. But this time, Chang is present. And Meng's like, no, I mean, that's what are, what are you proposing? I'm a very honorable man. What are you talking about? I'm going to bring <laughs> out these. Uh, three ringers from another country that I've had kill people, uh, they're going to talk to you about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is where we finally get the names of the two retainer guys and their specialties. Oh, yeah, right. I didn't pay attention really to their names. I did. So it's Mr. I, this one, I'm not totally sure of the name. Uh, I, it's uh, Masatoro or Ma, Mas, Mas, Mastro. Uh, he's the karate expert of the two, and Mr. Sayoman is the judo expert. And he's like, let's have a friendly match with Han between you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Han's like, well, I'm not going to be a coward and refuse a friendly match. And they just kick his ass. Uh, and like they're kicking his ass for a while and then Tian Sung steps in to also kick his ass Meng steps in to kick him a couple times just for good measure <laughs> and this is the point where I wrote in the notes like Han kind of deserves this and then kinda. it there, there's one really hilarious shot of like someone slow-mo like it's an ultra slow-mo shot and he's slammed into the floor and there's like a cloud of dust rising oh, up from yeah. under the floorboards <laughs> that yeah. rules that's so yeah. cool that's like so anime I've, I've never seen that happen in a live action thing it's awesome and then uh tian sung uses his one great special move and it's brutal we haven't seen it yet but yeah it, it's a good one actually uh he he basically does like an eye gouge that plucks the eyeballs out of their head. And remember though, how I was talking about those two marbles that he's always uh, playing around with in his hand. Yep. He, 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 uh, he lets the two marbles clutter to the floor and it's eyeballs. 
Yeah, well, he 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 pulls out his eyes, and now like they've replaced the balls, his Benoit balls, and he's like, "Check it out! You can't see it, but I see that I'm holding your eyes." Ha ha ha! And he drops them <laughs> on the floor. I, I wonder, like, I think he's done this enough that he has, like, he collects eyes, and that he's always had those. Probably. That's, like that's what it's always been, and we just haven't seen it. Yeah, and, like, this is another thing that uh, Kill Bill borrows. Like, th- there is some of that there, too. Like, they, they do the eye thing. Oh, yeah, they do, don't they? Um, yeah. Because, yeah, a couple, with a couple of, at least with one character. Mm-hmm. And I really like Han swearing revenge. He's like, if I live, I'll get back to you. <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, no, you I don't know not. if you're going to live, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you're not coming back for revenge we were both wrong no and like it, notably at this point chen chen is kind of troubled by this like i don't think that's very good this doesn't seem honorable at all <laughs> yeah yeah well han han basically says like why did he do this and, and yeah, i've been uh, helping you like, every step of the way Meng is like no, you we need to confirm that I'm the bad guy. Yeah, basically. And Chen's like, wait, it's like, are we the baddies? Yeah, it's like, I'm working for the bad guy? How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw, I just saw, uh, what's his name, the son, and was like, ah, oh, this seems like a straight up guy. Tian Am Sun, I a yeah. bad judge of character? He He's very troubled for a moment. And so yeah. we, we get Taming going back to visit Ying Ying, and he finds out about what's happened with Sung. Uh, so that's sort of in our back pocket, uh, although we we don't get the fallout from that for a little bit. Yeah. And then it's the day of the tournament, although we don't understand it's the day of the tournament right yet. We just see Chen warning Shihao about Okada and his dudes just waiting an ambush up the road. I was like, hey, yeah, have a couple right. daggers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm it, done with these assholes. So long to these assholes. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna give you these knives and take off. Peace. Yeah. Uh, and there's a so, pretty awesome fight. Yeah. Uh they they uh, battle in the forest. Uh the it's it's the two swordsmen, uh the the two retainer guys. Yep. Uh, so the, the cavemen. <laughs> yeah, the cavemen. It's it's bad. <laughs> And they bad. both have swords, but uh, see how notably he does have weapons because he was prepared with these daggers. So there, there is some actual uh, weapon on weapon battling here. Mm-hmm. And I like the forest as a location. You have like all the trees and the parallax of the movement there. And that's cool. Uh, he kills the shit out of both of them. Yep. And then he and Okada are about to face off hand-to-hand, but Chen just, like, jumps back in. He's like, ah, I, I lied. I, I wasn't piecing out. I'm going to take care of this. You're going to be late for the tournament. Run on. Run on. Oh, my <laughs> God. I'm going to be late, and I'm not wearing any underwear. And, like, at this point in the movie, he's like, oh, he was going to the tournament? The tournament's right now? <laughs> and we cut to the tournament happening right now, and everyone being like, where is she how? Oh, I well, bet he was ambushed in the forest by two kung fu ex- or uh, karate experts from Japan. Well, they do know that. They're all like, that's definitely what happened. He was totally ambushed. Although first <laughs> we see Okada and Chen fight. And yeah. it's we, we don't really see it conclude, but we do see Chen get thrown headfirst through a tree. Oh, so you yeah, know it's not it takes going a well. chunk out of that tree. 
so cool. It's that yeah, that's right. That was that was really cool. Um, I really like like the breakaway board effects and, yeah. and all that in this. There's a like, few really great ones. That one and there's another one later that just really stick in my mind is super cool. Well, and I like all the ones like when they're fighting in the school too. Oh, absolutely. That that like that's where I got the idea for toppling the school with the sprite right. of the kids. <laughs> So the tournament has begun, and we see some rando fights. Obviously, Tian Sung is dominating uh, yeah. with these randos. Like, he can take oh, yeah. these guys yeah. out, no problem. He can take and, randos. And the fights are pretty brutal. They're pretty bloody. And and it's sort of just intercut with uh, Si Hao running to get there on time. Just we, we keep seeing him running through the forest, and then Tian Sung just, like, kicking some ass. So it yeah. it powers him up a bit. It makes him seem like more of a threat than he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this is the point where I was like, oh shit. Well, no, it was not this point, but the last point with uh, with Han was like, right. Oh shit, maybe I did out. have this guy. I didn't have his personality wrong, but maybe I have his skills wrong because I because I did think skill. he was useless. Yeah. But here he's being set up to be the big bad. Not quite, but he's a mini boss. There's so many climaxes because we're in climax town. The the, oh, the yeah. ambush is climax boss one. Rush. Yeah. yeah, this is the boss rush. You got to take out all the bosses one after the other in a row. And like uh, so, no healing in between. Oh, not a chance. Nope. Uh, but you you might have some surprise guests. Oh, uh, always. And not always. And so at the tournament, they're like, okay, up next, we've got Si Hao versus Wan Biao from the Yido school. But where's Si Hao? <laughs> yeah, yeah. the judge is like, look, being ambushed by, by uh, two karate experts from Japan is no excuse to be late to a tournament. Simply unprofessional. I mean, if you're a kung fu expert, you should easily be able to beat karate experts from Japan. I mean, if you can't, how are you going to win a Kung Fu tournament? How are you going to rule this town once you've won this tournament? Come on. How are you going to be the king of Kung Fu? Yeah. What kind of king boxer are you if you can't be a couple karate guys? Oh, look, we've talked long enough that Shi Hao showed up. <laughs> Meng, well, first, Meng is like pushing for disqualification for a yes. bit. It's like, I think he should be disqualified. This is completely out of line. And Sun is looking at him like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. know what you're up to. But of course, yeah, he arrives just in time, and the fight with Wan Biao is like three hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, we're, we're not doing this. Uh, and Taming and Ying Ying show up between fights. He's like, oh, I'm Master Sung couldn't make it because he's too tired. Ooh. <laughs> You seem really sad about your father being tired. It's like, it's nothing, it's nothing. Okay. Uh, And uh, Yen sees uh, Ying Ying and Shi Hao talking, and she walks away sadly. It's like, aw. But, of course, when she leaves, she finds Han wandering around blind to set up them doing some stuff a little bit later on. Yep. <laughs> that day, I guess. So, like, you uh, figured this that stuff out night. fast. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, of course, it's his, the final round. It must have been an instant training montage that happened off I screen. Yes. 
I mean, I guess he has some innate abilities. Like when we first saw him, when he initially fought Shi Hao, he was better. Oh yeah, well he was the top of the school before Shi Hao came. came he was along. like the instructor. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he would be kind of, I guess, on the level of um, uh, idiot son. Oh, for sure. Theory. Like he could have beat him too, but he couldn't have beat all of the guys also thrown at him. Although a lot yeah. of that's his own fault. Well, also, yeah. <laughs> so the final round is obviously Shi Hao versus uh, uh, Tian Sun. And there's a bit of back and forth. Like he holds his own for a little bit, but mm-hmm. then we get the Ironsides theme blaring. His arms glow red. And the audience reacts because like, oh shit this is the superpower it's the it's the iron fist technique and i'm just imagining that they heard uh they heard the kill bill sound too oh, it's like totally. oh shit it's the kill bill sound oh man someone's going to die it's about to go down and yeah he he just wrecks him up just there's no problem like as soon as the hands glow it's over <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so but now he's the king of kung fu. He's he's king boxer now. Uh, he rules the town. But we're not done with our multiple climaxes because oh no, uh, there's still lots a master of to are kill. Still alive. Yeah, <laughs> there's still a master, and uh, we don't know what's going on with Okada. That's true, uh, and we won't know for a while. So there's celebratory chaos, but Meng goes up to Sun. He's like he he gives him a fake congratulations and then stabs him. And this oh, is yeah. a, this one's also a really good use of the lighting effect. We we get a green spotlight on Sun's face while he's dying in Shi Hao's arms, much like the red glowing arm effect. It's really cool. Oh, I didn't I didn't catch that, or I didn't. Maybe it was a it nice touch. Register. Like it, it's it's totally the same effect. It's the red glow, and like they they use a green gel instead. But so like oh, okay. as he's dying, hmm. and then Yang Yang stops by and it's like. So they also killed Sung, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to be sad for the fighting, but... Now I you mean, need to be now mad. I, and I didn't want to tell you now because I didn't want you to be double sad for two masters being dead, but if I waited and then tell you even later, I, at this point, I'm going to be the one in the wrong. Well, I, at feel this point, more, <laughs> I, I feel it's more of a thing where it's like, I need you to be mad now. It's it's revenge well, yes. time. We're we're oh, yeah, into the sure. revenge portion of the picture. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so we see Meng and Sun returning home, and they find, huh, the power is out, which was kind of a surprise to me. It's like, oh hey, electricity. I didn't even think about that that there was electricity in this movie. What time? What what is this set? Eighteen hundreds, I guess. Is I guess my guess. So. And maybe even early nineteen hundreds. Maybe. And Tian Sung goes to light the lamp, and shockingly, from the darkness, his eyes are plucked out. <laughs> Woo! So, awesome. Han has, uh, oh gosh, what is it? He was, he was born in the shadows. Or, no, I was born in the shadow. I can't bane on, it won't come through on the microphone, will it? Nope, nope. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so he, he does this whole thing, it's like, hey, I'm real good at fighting in the dark now because I got used to not using my eyes in the last 24-ish hours. Well, who knows how long it's been? Or six I, hours or or six months. Yeah, I don't know when they, they talked to him or when his eyes got plucked out, but 
they go hard it, for a bit. They there's this really great fight in the dark. It, uh, it's really good because like it just illuminates certain parts of the frame. So like you'll just see Meng's face or somebody's fist or it's really cool. It's super cool. And you have Yen who locks the door and just is shouting out pointers to Han uh, while he fights Meng. Cause uh, Tian Sung is out of it right away. Like oh, yeah. his eyes are plucked out and he is out of the fight, but he's still just stumbling around the room until Meng accidentally kills him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which rules. And, yeah. but uh, unfortunately this, gives him his own revenge plot. So he rages out and then uh, Yen and Han have to flee the room. Yeah, because now the uh, the hero sidekick has angered the old enemy master, and that's never good. Right. And they're hero stopped in the hall. never beats Big Bad. No, no. Uh, they're, they're stopped in the hall. There's a whole bunch of guards. Meng kills both of them. Uh rip yen uh an, an unfortunate end for her I, yeah. I really feel like she should have ended up with chi hao because ying ying could have ended up with Taming. it totally would have worked out yeah but this movie is ruthless and, and these movies typically are ruthless oh yeah because like well who knows maybe maybe she had a whole romance with han behind the scenes that's totally possible i mean they definitely have some sort of past uh like, but like the very moment they're killed is when she how appears. Yeah. <laughs> and he makes such easy work of these guys. Mm-hmm. And Meg is just like, wow, I definitely can't kill she how. Well, he doesn't say anything. He just, he just knifes himself. Yeah. He, he's like, ah, oh, forget it. <laughs> he kills himself. He's not even having the boss battle. I was like, forget this. I really like the fight against the like eight or 10 swordsmen who are filling the hall because like he just leaves bloody handprints on their broken chests, like every single <laughs> yeah. one of them. Yeah. They're all wearing white. So it shows up. So it just looks like somebody's like dabbed them with like red paint. But no, this is blood coming from them Them. it's it's like his his hand punching into their chest and destroying it so there's just like a big bloody bloody hand hole bleeds through the shirt it's like chevy chase went through them you know (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so great like i i love the the imagery of that just like all these guys lying dead with hand prints in the middle of their chests where they just got destroyed (laughs) so cool and I think they were destroyed by the Foot Clan. <laughs> so sure, Meng kills himself right away. He's just like, yeah. I don't want to get punched like that. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going like, to do oh, maybe the honorable thing. I guess. Maybe. Chi Hao is kind of like, that's sort of a disappointing end. He's like, well, I guess I'll leave. And for some reason... Ying Ying and Ta Ming show up and they're all leaving together. <laughs> they they got there too late to help out. Yeah, that's that's a I don't, I don't know if they would have done much anyway. But of course there's still a final final battle to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're now two battles past the tournament. We're more than two past. Oh yeah, like no, you're right. Three or four arguably. <laughs> yeah, so um so Okada shows up. Uh, holding a mannequin head of Chen. Oh, yeah. 
So don't know what happened with the real Chen, but he's got a mannequin head of him. Yep, it's uh, it's all bloody. <laughs> yeah, no, he, uh, obviously he yeah, killed him. He, is the idea. He but. killed Chen. Chen just died off screen, or maybe he died when he went through that tree. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's that's not something your head's supposed to do. But his head is special. His head is very powerful. So of course, you know. Chi Hao's hands glow red. The theme blares. It's time for the big final battle. Yep. <laughs> and like notably, Okada does get first blood. He slashes him a couple times with his sword. He he. Oh yeah. Well, it's the final battle. You gotta let the villain get a few hits in. Yeah, Okada's kind of for real. And. Yep. But ultimately, of course, Chi uh, Hao catches the sword and breaks it just with his palms. Katanas are hard to break. Katanas are the, the, real hard to break. The way they're forged, it's just. But, but you got to do maybe it. Maybe that's and the power it, of the iron palm. That I guess. is. I mean, <laughs> if you can like put a hole in anybody's chest by hitting them, so you know, it's it's yeah. got some power behind it. Yep. Yep. So they have their hand to hand. This is the the other really cool one with like going through a post because he uses the iron fist move and he hits through a wooden post and clobbers Okada directly in the chest and he gets one of those big handprints in his chest. He he's able to survive two of them. Well, he only survived the first one, I think, because the post broke some of the momentum. Well, he survives two of them and then there's still another hit. Oh, yeah. okay. so because like. In, in fact, it's four because he he gets hit into a brick wall twice. Oh, right. And it makes like that big. <laughs> the brick um, wall gets badly damaged. <laughs> yeah, it makes like that big crack sound like uh, like you just knocked a, um, I don't know, like a wily e. coyote into the wall. And you just like see bits falling like bricks and stones just breaking off of it. And yeah. he just falls over dead. That's the end. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, end. in fact, the end. Big the end credits. Uh, not even credits. Just the end shows up on the screen. We see and a lovely over. sunset picture. Um, end of the runtime. We had all the credits at the beginning. Yeah. Like th- that's the amazing thing with these movies. They are out like instantly this fight is over this guy falls over dead the end we're done <laughs> sometimes they don't even wait till the fight's over yeah, uh, sometimes it's in a freeze frame <laughs> like yeah, that happened or, with um shaolin mantis yeah or there was one what what was it where it's like i don't feel like fighting you anymore tell your master that you killed me or whatever i don't care right yeah <laughs> oh that that was ancient weapons yeah, that's Ancient Weapons. Ancient Weapons. That one's a fun one. The, I mean, they all are so much fun. They're so much fun. Some are better than others, but um, I do think this one's my favorite. This one is so great. Like, there, there's a reason this one was a landmark picture and that it launched the whole vogue for the Kung Fu film. Because it's, mm-hmm. like, the violence is incredibly shocking. Like, this is 72. Like, th- this is pretty early in that cycle. It's not that long after, like... Uh, a fistful of dollars hit America, right? Like it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's less than a decade. Yeah. So yeah. like yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's just crazy violent and it's just so much fun. It's it's yeah. it's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. Uh, lots of fun characters. 
they they look like the stereotypes, but some of them end up surprising you. Um, surprise redemption arcs. Well, nobody's surprised because we just explained the whole thing, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it rules. It keeps you, yeah, um, yeah. It's really good. Strong recommend on China, or King Boxer slash Five Fingers of Death. Yeah, and there's also like strong a whole recommend bunch on Chinese Boxer, but you know. Oh, absolutely. Like they're they're both very interesting to see, and they're worth comparing and contrasting because. Uh, I, I do feel like this one is better directed and has kind of a more compelling star. Uh, like Jimmy Wang Yu is good. He's he's very good. But I mean, it's so tropey at that point. Like it's there. It's it's almost the template of a movie more than it's like its own movie. Right, right. I mean, because it's just been so heavily copied. Like like we said, there there are a couple remakes of this Uh this is essentially a remake of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I haven't seen a single one of them that I don't like. You're right, absolutely. Uh, so this is replaced, obviously, with the next one in the box, which is The Boxer from Shantung, another Ooh. boxer one. So this is a, a, about a poor guy, a guy who wants to escape poverty by becoming a martial artist. But uh, obviously, uh, everything everyone's corrupt. There's all these gangs, uh, so he just has to use his superior fighting technique. Obviously, cool. I, this cool. is one I have not seen before. Ah, uh, interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the, that's uh, pretty much everything there. Do you have any further thoughts before we move on to part two? Nope. The end. All right. And for our second feature, we're talking about the Sam Raimi classic Evil Dead 2. The one that really created the legend, I'd say. And and the one that really created the Bruce Campbell legend. I Now that I've seen Evil Dead 1 and 2, um, for starters, I've, I've kind of come around a lot more on, on the first one. Uh, I mm-hmm. know I was... I, I, I I'm think I was more. I was mixed on it. I think I sounded more negative than I was. That's totally um, fair. Like, because it, it it is one of those things. Like, I I think your your main focus was just an issue with the deadites being really annoying, and they are. <laughs> yeah, but like now I get it. Yes, uh, the deadites are Bugs Bunny and uh, and Ash's Daffy Duck. Yeah, absolutely. Like the the deadites well, are. Yeah, not it's, Bugs they're Bunny all because they have to lose. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Bugs Bunny can never lose. Daffy Duck can. Uh, and, like, it, it is that slapstick violence. It's just, it's so weird in the first Evil Dead. And it kind of does help to really be familiar with the second one to kind of get the first one's straight-faced version of it. Because it doesn't play any of it for laughs. It does yeah, no, the same it's... stuff. <laughs> Uh, it does the same stuff. I'd argue that the first one, I found the special effects in the first one more compelling than the second. I'm kind of inclined to agree. And I've like the, the first one has really grown on me over time. Like the more times I watch it, the more I enjoy it because there's a real purity to it. And like it clearly had the time to make everything exactly the way they wanted to. Uh-huh. Like they didn't necessarily have the budget or the resources, but they had the passion and they didn't have a studio breathing down their neck. If they wanted to spend an entire day on one shot, they'd just go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
and it it kind of helps me to realize like what a unique thing the first Evil Dead was because I, I I guess I just didn't clue in that they were taking like cartoon slapstick violence and just playing it straight straight face. I guess I didn't realize that's what they were doing. True, and like I I'd say I I felt I was the same way the first time I saw it like years ago. Is is like. It's such a weird tone. <laughs> Cause yeah, because like there's some legitimately disturbing scenes in there. Oh, absolutely. Some, and like some really scary stuff, and but it's also right. And like it's like it's really gruesome. The the violence is like super gory, like insanely gory for the time. Like there's a reason it was a video nasty. Um, uh, I was let's just say I was. Uh, worried is when the vines wrapped around the girl in this one right and they don't go that way even they though they don't like, go that way think it's quasi a remake yeah like, it it is and isn't yeah like it it has sort of the same beginning except it really streamlines it so at, at the start we just have ash and linda his girlfriend we we don't have scotty and his girlfriend or uh, Ash's sister involved this time. Yeah, no, just the two of them uh, going to a cabin that Ash just sort of knows about from somewhere that he's like, I'm sure the owner's not there. And it's a pretty good recreation of the one from the first one. It's not quite the same. I don't feel like the valley that it's in is quite as beautifully menacing. No, I, I feel the same way. It, and, and I think, I, I feel like maybe Raimi kind of felt the same way too, because we don't get as many shots of True. The, uh, and yeah, yeah some, some of the effects do feel a little bit less like they had the time to do them. Like there, there's that one effect with the moon where you really see the square around it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I didn't notice that, but oh. <laughs> I bet... I bet it's now, like I've seen this so many damn times, but it's like there are there are all these little pieces of it that like always stick in my mind. There's like the insert of a, a square of like slightly less black sky where like oh. the clouds go over the moon. <laughs> yeah. And of course, work shed. Did you pick up on that when when he he's I think it's when he's fighting with his own hand and like oh yeah he he gets like a moment of inspiration. It zooms into him. He goes. Work shed, <laughs> and this is like very ADR. Uh, that that always cracks me up. Like that's one that Bruce Campbell gets a lot. He he mentions it, I think, in his book. <laughs> so they're taking this their their romance vacation uh, at this cabin of uh, Doctor Noby. Oh, we get the doctor's name in this one. We actually get his family. We get his family. We get we even get him uh, briefly. Right, we get some flashbacks with him because uh, he's recorded this tape. You know, same setup as the previous one. He's got the Necronomicon, uh, and he reads out the passages from it, and it summons a demon, and it kills his wife in this one. Although we don't learn that for quite a while. Uh, that's God a really help great me, movie. I buried her in the basement. I buried her in the cellar. Oh, that's such a great moment in this too. Mm -hmm. Like that is a tremendous moment because that's when Bruce is trapped in the cellar. Yeah. And you don't learn about it until he learns about it there, which is so good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, so like 
it, it speed runs the first movie, basically. It takes six minutes to do the entire first movie. Of course, it uh, removes most of the characters, to be fair. Yes, it does. So we've got uh, we got Ash playing with the piano. Hey, Linda, magnifying glass necklace. Oh, Ash, you're so sweet. Oh, shit, I've been possessed by a monster. Oh, I cut off your head with a shovel. Ah, I've been hit with a monster. I really like when uh, he decapitates her with, with the shovel and she rises back up and she's claymation. Yeah, she's doing this little dance. The dance is so good. And like my favorite part is when she finishes the dance and she does that really pleased with her as she dives off the screen. So great. Such a just perfect little moment. Uh, And I I also really like clearly Bruce's acting gets to step up a bit here. Uh, He gets to have a little bit more of his smarm. Uh, I really like the part where he gives her the necklace and he's like, I'm a man and you're a woman, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah. See, here's here's where I think he's kind of like the Daffy Duck archetype of cartoon characters. He he's not the pure good or or the like in, invincible immortality of a bug's bunny but he's not the evil he he gets he gets knocked around a lot but he's not like the evil not evil but he's not the elmer fudd no so he he's kind of like the daffy duck he's sometimes Sometimes he gets to win, sometimes he has to lose, but either way, he's going to get the shit kicked out of him in the process. Well, because Sam Raimi has got to put him through the ringer. He, that's that's the most fun he ever has, is like whipping <laughs> Bruce with trees. Like the, the, the shots where he's in uh, the rig, like where, you know, it, it just like, I, I think they put this thing on top of a truck and just drove him through the forest and whipped him with branches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's right after... I guess would be the end where the first movie ends when the yeah. thing gets him and it's just flying through the forest, spinning him around. It is so awesome. And <laughs> like, this is one, something that Bruce Campbell talks a lot about in the, the commentary track. And I think it also comes up quite a bit in uh, his book, if chins could kill, which I haven't read in years, but was great when I read it years ago. Um, <laughs> The you know there there is this thing that Sam Raimi does love to kind of torture him <laughs> like it's one of his favorite <laughs> things to do so they, they he really was just getting pulled around through these trees and getting whipped and stuff. <laughs> how much shit can we cover him in and how much can he we rip his clothes? And I one of the other things like those awful contacts which were just so horrible to wear because like oh I could only imagine. These are like early days of contacts and they're just like completely oh, opaque. Right. So you couldn't Ugh. see through them. You were blind when you had them in. And they're just like, I find the, the thought of contact lenses icky in the, even at the best of times. Like well, I, I won't use them. You, you know how much more icky these ones are? They're made of glass. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh God. And if you wear them too long, you go blind. Uh, so oh. they, they were not fun to wear. <laughs> oh, I, I'm like squeezing my eyes shut just right? thinking about it. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and like Bruce talks quite a bit about how 
horrible wearing those was uh, and like kind of everyone has to wear them at some point in this movie it, it, everyone kind of becomes a deadite briefly and it's kind of cool that ash briefly is a deadite a couple times in this movie yeah um yeah very briefly uh right because usually it's... just to just so that the monsters can like beat up on him some more Yes, and and so that he can briefly be a menace later. But yes. uh, this one, after he's pulled through the forest up at the top, like through the tops of the trees, uh, it just turns to daytime and he just goes back to normal. Yeah, and this is where he figures out that the monster doesn't have power or at least can't possess anyone uh, when the sun's out. Although he's still trapped because this is, this is the trapped. one that I was talking about with the great Matt painting with the bridge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, oh, that's the one. Right. <laughs> right. Because the other one was like, because this was like the huge, like big suspension bridge. The other one was like a rickety, shitty wooden bridge. And I was, I wasn't paying much attention to the bridge in that one. Cause I was like, yeah. so struck by the angles of like the car headlights, but like the mm-hmm. Dutch angle of them walking by and, so Very I thought inventive I, camera work in the first one, like as well here, but it's here so too. unique in the first one. Yeah. So unique. But but here, um, like with that one, I thought I was just so enamored by that camera angle that I legitimately thought I right. might have missed the bridge that you're, you were talking about. But no. Yeah, here it's this one. The bridge is fucked. It's so wrecked. And he he's like no he he does a great big it's it's oh, sort of a you blew a it all these. up <laughs> yeah he he gets a few of these i think oh of course <laughs> he, uh, he gets to do the big no yeah and then immediately he's chased back like it, it gets dark before he has like as he's standing there screaming no it suddenly gets dark again and he has to get back in the car and get back to the cabin real fast we still don't see the chasing thing ever. He very obviously sees it. Right. We uh, see it at the very end of the movie. Oh, we, yeah, we do. We too, do get don't the we? demon at the end. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but very briefly, uh, I think they called it the rotten apple head demon. Uh, <laughs> colloquial on the set. Uh, so he goes back into the cabin uh, and he's attacked by the severed head of Linda. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this is the work shed <laughs> moment when he's got it, got her head like chewing on his hand, and he's like she's biting his it. head, and he's just like pure running around. That's so like, funny. Amazing slapstick with a severed head. He's just got this severed head on him, and he's like hitting it on all the walls, on the counter. <laughs> and, and finally, he's like, "Oh, work shed." <laughs> <laughs> So he takes her head to the work shed and puts it in a vice. And then he goes to get the iconic ass chainsaw. But oh, there's a chalk. First, first, she's like she turns back to her. Oh, yeah. That that thing they all do. Yeah. Just to fuck with him, just to twist the knife a little bit more. And like. He's briefly upset by it, and then she starts laughing at him, of course, because the Deadites, just, they love to laugh. <laughs> and it's like, oh, fuck you. Or, or what does he say? Something like... I can't remember. I can't uh, remember. But, but of course, yeah, then he, he's, he does look for the chainsaw, and there's just an outline on the wall where it should be. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
very cartoony. I love so that. So cartoony. You might as well have had the dotted line going from his eyes to the to the outline totally. of the chainsaw. And like this is a masterpiece of editing because like he sees it and like reaches for it and it's not there and like you see a second of worry before the door crashes open and the headless body of Linda comes in with the chainsaw running. (laughs) (laughs) Tremendous slapstick action, just like boom, boom. Uh, how, How does he get it away from her? I can't remember. Uh, I think he has the machete or something. Oh, yeah, right. He he gets the chainsaw away, like he chops away at the hands. And uh, then, of course, he uh, chainsaws her head in half uh, with it. (laughs) Oh, and the blood that goes everywhere. So much blood. (laughs) Covers the light bulb, makes the work shed all red. So cool. Uh, And then he goes inside and... The 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 demon possesses his hand just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? The hand makes all these like noises like <laughs> him fighting the hand is a masterpiece of slapstick acting. Like so good. Brilliant, brilliant scene it's, of just like him fighting his own hand. It, it, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last one, but even if I did, it bears repeating again. His facial expressions are oh, yeah. incredible <laughs> even more so in this one a very expressive face yeah <laughs> he's so good and just the way he argues with the hand the way he rages at it and it's like <laughs> oh you bastard you son of a bitch uh <laughs> and and like he gets knocked out by the hand in the kitchen he's lying on the floor and it's yeah, just breaking it's just dishes breaking. over his head <laughs> this is the scene where i was like this is a daffy duck cartoon completely daffy duck goes to the haunted house uh and of course like i i also love his moment of triumph when he revs up the chainsaw he's like ah i've got you now and then he is sawing off his own hand with it. He's like, ah, <laughs> like half he's like, his triumph. He realized that he's chainsawing off his own hand. <laughs> and then he's like, you like that? You like that? <laughs> and then of course the, he like first he keeps it trapped in a waste basket, which notably he puts a copy of a farewell to arms on it. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Great. So good. Uh, so this actually, some of the scenes that I thought were an army of darkness, I actually remember from this movie. Oh, I thought yeah. he lost his hand and got the chainsaw hand in army of darkness. Oh, I see. Yeah, no, that's, that's all this one. Yeah, no, he only makes the gauntlet an army of darkness. Right. Uh, and I, it, like he, he creates like that modular, uh, thing where where he can like plug different things into his uh, right. stump there. I think it's, I haven't watched that uh, one in a couple of years. You gonna watch it? It's been a while. Week? It's yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the the hand gets out of the basket. Like, it's, it's, just, it's a great you just see in the background. The basket just slides away. Yeah, and then like it it gets into a mouse hole and it's like running around in the walls, squealing at him like a mouse, and he <laughs> starts and shotgunning it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've seen this in Tom and Jerry. Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it's so good. And like him shooting at the walls, and finally he gets it. And then 
It's oh yeah! Crazy. Like this is when we get really bloody. <laughs> when it gets it's real just gay. a freaking fountain of blood. That like, the hole in the walls that he shot. I I think initially it's red, and then very quickly it turns to green, and we just get yep. green and black, and like we get all these different colors of blood. And Ash is just so filthy in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then I finally. Think- we introduce our other characters, I think. Yeah, I think it's around here. Yeah. So the daughter and I think her boyfriend mm-hmm. of the of the uh, professor who found the book and owns the cabin. Right. And they're going and they're going to the cabin to visit the professor, but they haven't heard from him in a while. And they see the bridge out. Right, but they run into these oh, hillbillies. Oh, the first, yeah. They run into <laughs> well, these no, hillbillies. They, they do find the bridge first, and then the hillbillies combines like, well, uh, that's the only bridge, but I know a secret way. And they, they, they like, talk them up into... Uh, it's, it, they, they're, it's like, I'll show you how to get there for four... Oh yeah, forty for a hundred dollars. The girl's and like, Annie, like, hmm. Well, if you carry my bags, that'll be fine. And I, I really like the moment that like he looks over to her car and sees just uh the the box with the extra pages for the Necronomicon in the back. It's <laughs> like, sure, honey. And then like, of course the comedic cut to just a giant chest that I don't think even could have fit in the trunk of that car. <laughs> two of them. It, yeah. It's two of the Joe versus the volcano chests. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's carrying them while she's carrying the freaking Necronomicon pages. Of course. I mean, you don't want to like, trust those to Jake. He's an idiot. God, no. God, this no, is a character. Just... This is one of those characters who, no matter how much bad stuff happens to him, it's funnier and funnier every time. <laughs> this is our Elmer Fudd. Yes, he is a pure Fudd. Uh, so they, they they make their way to the cabin, and meanwhile, Ash is having his big laughing freakout. <laughs> oh, this, so this is the one, this is the scene that I remembered remembering from Evil Dead 2. Yeah, yeah with the deer and i forgot about the lamp and i just lost it when he like joins on and then he does the little squat thing with the dude yeah he's he's mimicking the way the lamp is moving (laughs) just the way he does it the way he laughs is so i lost it right there it's so funny it's so brilliant funny like it, it really can't be understated how great Bruce Campbell's physical acting is in this movie. Like he, he is such a tour de force. Uh, and like, it, it's great how like we have that deer head and it's been sitting there for two movies now. And just that great moment where it turns really creepy and demonic and like uh, it cranes its neck towards him. Like it's an excellent horror moment at first like it, it's genuinely creepy because that's a really disturbing image but then oh, yeah. it starts hysterically laughing and he's frightened for a moment and he like or no first he sits down in a chair and the chair breaks and that's when everything <laughs> starts laughing at him 
he does That's a pratfall. Right. fall. <laughs> and then he just loses it. He starts laughing like a crazy person. He's like, <laughs> I see the humor. You guys are right. <laughs> but that squat he does yeah. is so good. Like, that just, that kills it for me. And he's like... <laughs> looking at the lamp doing it like the two of them are moving together and and like the lamp has like a goofy chuckle like ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, genius and then it's 20 years since i seen this movie and i that scene is exactly as i remember oh, yeah. it like that that is probably the most iconic scene in the movie like that is one that always sticks with me too <laughs> It's just, it's so hard to overstate how much that little squat adds to the scene. (laughs) It's brilliant. If you you see it, you know. And I I really like how quick things change because like during his freak out laughing is when everybody else arrives at the cabin and like they knock on the door and he just like pumps a bunch of shotgun shells into the door. Yeah, yeah, because, you know. He's not expecting people, and he is expecting monsters. Right. And he opens the door just to check what's going on. And, like, at first, like, they're they're hanging back, and then they all charge in. Uh, and, you know, they, they quite reasonably conclude that it seems like maybe this insane person with one hand and a chainsaw who's completely covered in blood <laughs> probably killed her parents. Yeah, um, he was laughing like a lunatic when they walked in, and then he shot them on before sight. So you right, know. and he does shoot one of them, uh, uh, a Bobby yeah, Joe. He shoots Bobby gets, Joe, the uh, the redneck's wife, or girlfriend, or girlfriend, whatever. or whatever. Uh, she she gets just shot in the shoulder, uh, and uh, you know, obviously Jake gets very upset with it, and he he this is where he gets thrown into the cellar and locked up. And they're like, yes. hey. How about this tape? <laughs> yeah, so and then actually, yeah, it is a really good reveal because although the cellar played a huge role in the first Evil Dead, it hasn't shown up in this one yet. Yeah, it's it's a nice delay. But it's but I even if it's the different uh, cabin, it definitely they they made the cellar door look the same. Yeah, like they, I, I feel they did a really good job of mimicking the layout of the cabin, but it's it's interesting the way it works in this one because it's sort of a non-Euclidean space. Yeah. Oh, the. the I guess we he's... that happened earlier. That amazing scene where it chases him through the walls of the the building. Oh right, yeah. Um, the thing I was thinking of that kind of makes it feel like the cabin is like not a part of space and time is mm-hmm. sometimes the ang- like the camera angles when they're looking at like the walls or something will just like distort kind of right and, like, and it'll make like a, a weird, weird noise way. yeah yeah so, uh, like it got me feeling like they're in another dimension and it's not that they can't leave the forest it's just that where they are there is no out of the forest right exactly like they're, they're sort of trapped in this nether realm now yeah uh, and and like the 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 reality is thin. Like I I think they even say that at at the point later when that's happening and they're hearing all these weird sounds and I think someone says it sounds like something is trying to push its way through from another world, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. So they find the tape 
and they're playing it. And I, I, it's, it's a nice slow burn. They're listening to like what happened and they realize that, uh, that the professor is the one who killed Henrietta and, and he has a good Lord. I, I, or I buried her in the cellar and we cut to Bruce listening on the stairs of the cellar. And it's like, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> and then he just like looks over and there's zombie Henrietta. Played by ten, Ted Raimi. Oh, really? In just like a, an enormous fat suit, which was horrible to wear. <laughs> oh, I bet. Like uh, like a zombie fat suit. Yeah, and it, it's just a huge amount of makeup. It was incredibly hot. It was the height of summer. Oh. Uh, I think it was 100 degrees all the time. Oh. They were in a gym. Like this was, uh, they recreated the set in a school gym. In his summer, oh. there's no air conditioning. He... He lost a lot of weight. The I, I've seen photos from the set where he's just pouring sweat out of the boots. Oh my god, <laughs> that sounds awful. It's like I like I hear these stories about how people go into makeup and it's like, oh yeah, it was eight hours of makeup to put this on. It's like you sat perfectly still for eight hours and then acted a bunch of scenes while wearing this shit on your face. And he's like I, doing wire work. Like he's floating around the room most of the time. Uh, I, I can't do that. Oh, hell no. Uh, so Ash chops, uh, chops Henrietta up. Yep. Uh, or, or Remember, no, yeah, or, oh, that's no, right. No, no. Henrietta. That's not till gets, later. Yeah. Henrietta gets Ed, uh, the boyfriend, right? Yeah, gets the boyfriend somehow. Um, uh, and then Ash chops him up. And, like, Bobby Joe runs away. She just takes off into the forest in terror. Uh, and this is where it's it seems like we're going to get another tree rape, but they go the other way. They just they, have it just... drag her through the forest, much like... Uh, it, it's like the, the ground version of him being pulled through the trees. She's yes. just dragged along the, the forest floor. Yeah. Um, and they figure, OK, so the only this is where he kind of takes charge of the situation. Suddenly it's like, well, I, I'm an expert here. I've been fighting these things for however many days and I know what to do. And <laughs> it's it's like all of a sudden Ash is cool and in control and he does the groovy line. <laughs> he does do the groovy, which, again, I thought was was from three. Right, right. Well, he probably says it in three. He definitely says it in three as well, yeah. But uh, this, is the, this is the first groovy. Yeah. And it's it's a corny line, but he sells it. Like, mm -hmm. it's silly. They hold on it just a little bit too long. Like, it's clear he's almost going to crack by the time they cut away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, of course, so Annie is like, Okay, it, maybe the solution is in these other pages of the Necronomicon, the one that she brought with her, because, you know, that's those were the missing parts. Yeah. So they, they figure, you know, we'll, we'll do that, right? Yeah. Uh, but Jake isn't having it. Jake wants Jake's, to go find Bobby Joe. It's like, and he takes the shotgun. He's like, I'm, he does the I'm running the show now. Yeah. That uh, everyone does before they die. Right. And. They're like, you idiot, she's already dead. And like, she definitely already is. We've seen her dragged. Oh, uh, yeah. She's, 
I, I don't think we ever even see her again. Well, maybe we I see a deadite she... form, but I don't recall I one. I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I know some deadites uh, <laughs> punish Bobby Joe more or less. Or not Bobby, uh, Jake. Jake gets... Uh, like, oh, yeah. The, the part where he's under the door after being stabbed. <laughs> like <laughs> People just keep stomping on him. And he's like, ah! <laughs> It never stops being funny, no matter how much he's hurt. <laughs> yeah. And of course, like he takes the 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 remaining pages of the Necronomicon and he throws them into the locked cellar where the deadites are. Like the the deadites that remain are hidden. He's like, well, now you have to help me find her because there's yeah. no other options left. Yeah. Uh, but um, then Ash becomes possessed. This is his his other time where he's a deadite, and oh yeah, that's right, he's the one who beats the crap out of Jake. Oh yeah, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and oh yeah, and she goes, she uh, stabs Jake because like she she's running with a poker and she thinks he's Ash because like she he sneaks up on her. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Uh, and and he like gets stabbed real bad, and then uh, uh, so uh, one of the deadites, I I don't can't remember who it is, uh, uh, gets a hold of the top of his head and drags him under the cellar. I think it's Henrietta. Yeah, I think so. I I don't think Henrietta's been. No, she was just locked yet. She was locked down there. Uh, yeah. So that's why he threw the pages down there. Uh, but just oh, right, the, yeah. the image of him being dragged by his head across the floor <laughs> under the cellar. And like Annie is trying to help him. She's pulling his legs. And just yep. there's this huge, horrifying torrent of blood that just like sprays out of the trap door uh as like his legs are kicking it's like he's going through a tree uh a tree shredder like a wood chipper yeah, yeah. Oh my god he so he's dead he is very very dead like he doesn't come back at all because like first we have deadite ash uh like ash is still dead but and he attacks annie but like he sees linda's necklace and he does like uh, an oh, emotional that, transformation. <laughs> the, the, what have I become? I remember my oh. humanity. Yeah, it's really a rather uh, than any words. Yeah, and then we get the amazing scene of him gearing up. This is where he he attaches the chainsaw to the stump. Yeah, he attaches the chainsaw. Um, that's when he says groovy. That's when he says groovy. He gets like the little thing he puts in his pocket so that he can just pull the ripcord of the chainsaw which i thought was always a nice touch super cool yeah uh and they head into the cellar to find uh the the pages and i it's really funny they they find just a bloody skeleton that used to be jake (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, I and I, I appreciate that that like he doesn't become a deadite because like he clearly got mulched. <laughs> yep. So they find the pages. Uh, there. I, I think they also find Freddy Krueger's glove down there somewhere. I think it's uh, in the in the room with the last of the pages. Oh, I, I didn't see it. 
Uh, and Henrietta attacks and uh, Ash is able to like get her with the chainsaws. Now he's a cool guy. Now he's the yeah. hero. Yeah, he uh, that slapstick uh, bit at the beginning was his training montage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I know how to endure comic violence. Right. And and now I know it won't kill me. It'll just hurt a lot. Yeah, and it'll it'll just like make life horrible forever because <laughs> he's never gonna get out of this. Uh, no. So uh, everything starts to go crazy. It just becomes total chaos at the end. The whole forest attacks the cabin. Yep the uh, the ants are are approaching. They're very unruly, and Annie is trying to read the incantation. Uh, while just all hell's breaking loose, this is where we get the uh, rotten applehead demon. Yeah, so it, it's like, so I guess this is the thing that's been chasing in the POV shots for two movies. I guess so. Uh, that's, I never that's actually my made that connection. I thought that was just malevolent force, and that it this was just a demon. Because I I feel like she's opened a new portal here. Like her her reading the incantations from the Necronomicon opens the portal that allows this thing to fully come through, but with the idea that it will then be pulled back into it with everything else. Well, oh no, no, I get it now. Like the first incantation gives it a flesh form. So it didn't look like that when it was doing the chasing. Right. It was just, uh, who knows, just a force of some sort. Yeah. It looked like something because Ash or maybe it didn't look like anything and Ash could just feel it coming. That's even scarier. It could be. And like there seems to be a sound associated with it. Oh, there's definitely well. a sound. I listened in headphones. There's yeah. there's a sound. It sounds like a actually a dirt bike engine slowed down and uh, toned down like deeper. Well, because well, technically it was a camera on a dirt bike that was attacking Ash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, so. So uh, when Ash I, sees the thing, his he he gets like a stripe of white just like appears oh, in yeah. his hair. That's a cool effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his hand comes back, his evil hand. Oh, oh yeah, his evil hand like stabs him or Annie. It's, or, it, it stabs, stabs Annie. Uh, Annie the, is killed the by the dagger. Hand. Yeah, with with the Kandarian dagger, uh, and she just finishes the incantation and dies. And this yeah, opens and the big vortex. Yeah, that uh, that pulls the monster back, but it also pulls Ash and his, and his car. Because <laughs> you've got to get to the start of Army of Darkness. Yep. And uh, yeah, he, well, that's what it is. He, he falls from the sky and... Uh, a bunch of knights bunch on of knights horseback uh, surround him like, what the hell? He fights they a gargoyle. Oh, I love that gargoyle. That that is like straight out of the movie Equinox, which I feel is a huge inspiration for these movies. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. It's cool. I'll have to watch it sometime. Like it's much more lo-fi. It's from early seventies. Uh, Herb from WKRP in Cincinnati is one of the main characters in it. Okay. Uh, very low budget, but uh, like it's another student film, like one or not necessarily student film, but like handmade, very indie. And uh, most of the people who did it went on to become big special effects guys. Oh, cool. OK, mm-hmm. right on. But of course, you know, 
we we get the him blowing it away uh, the the cool weird deadite demon and yep. uh the the iconic image of him screaming uh, just being totally upset while they all worship him oh yeah because we didn't talk about it but one of the pages in the necronomicon is right, a this. prophecy of the hero which is very obviously him from the picture well it's got a chainsaw for hand and <laughs> you know the blue the blue shirt and the khakis yeah, it's it's a distinctive look somehow. Yeah. It's simple, but like it's very distinct. Yeah, yeah, and he's just like the like hero from the sky, and he's like, no, no, awesome. And and That's that it. is the end. And you know, next up, he's got to fight an army of darkness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what a great then, movie. And then try to get it back home to his housewares job at Smart. Oh, yeah. Although that was a studio mandated change because the original ending has him take too many drops. Have you seen the alternate ending of it? No. The director's cut. uh, And we we might talk about this in future if we do our move darkness. But uh, he takes, you know, he they they give him the specifications of exactly how many drops he's supposed to take. And he's not supposed to take any more. And in the scene where he does it in the director's cut he miscounts he he does the same number twice because he oh. gets distracted by something and then <laughs> he wakes up in a post-apocalyptic future where the world has ended <laughs> hmm. this is a very bleak conclusion but i it's good that they didn't go with that because you know it, it sets up this the tv series because you know there's a whole several more seasons of ash fighting the evil dead and a musical and a musical which apparently is great and is and will cover you in blood in the first three uh aisles heck yeah i mean that's that's what you want oh yeah <laughs> but yeah we we don't get anything in like the monster effects are pretty good right this, they're not uh, they're like i'd say they're as good as the first one but they don't have quite the same totally handcrafted charm yeah yeah they like nothing from this compares with like everything melting from the first one at the end the only thing i would say that does yeah the the only thing that i would say that does is um the the stop motion for uh linda oh the dance that is really good you're right that's so good yeah, uh, but but I agree that like it's it, it's it's clearly working on like they had more of a budget for sure, but they also mm-hmm. had a schedule and they were working for a studio. I mean, not yeah. a real. St- it was still an indie, but you know, they, like I think Sam's first actual studio movie is uh, Darkman, the next one. Okay. But yeah, it's it's just great. Like, uh, so it it holds up, right? <laughs> it does. Oh no, it does. It holds up. Um, it helps me to appreciate what he was trying to do with Evil Dead 1, um, but it's also very much its own thing. Like Now I kind of think that this is the beginning of the series, and Evil Dead 1 sort of exists in a vacuum as just kinda, a yeah. horror movie featuring a Bruce Campbell character who happens to be named Ash. Yeah, because, I mean, so much of the first one is sort of written out by this one. It, it doesn't exist anymore. Like, his sister is just removed from existence there isn't one yeah and it's tonally pretty different from the rest of this series oh absolutely at least the rest of what i've seen yeah and ash himself is pretty different 
but it stands alone as still a great horror movie with some great effects and creepy hmm. things. And there are still some things that I don't think necessarily work, but I've come around on the first one a lot. Um, yeah. I don't need to come around on this one it's because so fun. It's, it's a blast. So fun. Uh, <laughs> and like i i feel like it's the best ever horror comedy like in terms of the the balancing of the two it, it's a really great blend because the horror is horrific and the comedy is funny and the comedy never undercuts the horror i think the only other horror comedy that comes close in getting the balance is um us uh, jordan peele and that's yeah. still more horror than comedy much more yeah it, it's yeah. more just the concept and just the weirdness of it and like that's one that trades mostly in horror energy but once in a while it'll have i mean especially or I, i'd say get out as well everything with lil rel in in get out does a lot oh, of that yeah. <laughs> horror comedy is really delicate and i'm not a fan of most horror comedy like i find a lot of blends of that to be really grating um well i don't know i don't know if i've seen like a really effective one that does both effectively um i don't think any of them this one is more on the comedy side Um, right like it's it's very slapstick yeah like like the closest thing that does blend both effectively is is jordan peele's work but he's not really trying to make a horror comedy i don't think i think he's just trying to break up some of the horror bits with some humor yeah uh and and it's so weird that get out was classified as a comedy when it won it shouldn't have been it's so ridiculous it's obviously a horror movie it's such a horror movie it's the concept is terrifying it is and i've i've actually seen that concept in other horror movies too like there there is another one oh i gotta remember which one that is there's there's another movie that just does that that like has that plot it's just without anywhere near the level of skill <laughs> mm-hmm. or the political commentary well yeah i'd vote for obama three times if i could <laughs> i have black friends <laughs> oh that movie is great uh, really but yeah, is. like I, I do oh, feel I like see his new one. Oh yeah, totally. That nope looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the horror comedy on the whole, I do find it to be something that doesn't blend well because there's sort of antithetical genres. What what works with Sam Raimi is that he does the Three Stooges slapstick splatter comedy instead of uh, the the sort of comedy that that is too self-referential i find that that's a problem with stuff like scream does it sort of okay but i've never been a fan of everything that came after scream that just it 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 undercuts all of the horror by being like we're in on the joke though this isn't actually scary and that that sucks to me that that's such an such a bad way of making a movie the first happy death day i think yeah that one's good but yeah. the second one has that. No, well, well, the second one isn't even a horror movie. It's the second one's not a movie. horror. <laughs> it's a comic book movie. We talked is. about this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, any further thoughts on Evil Dead Two before we head on to our last part? Uh, no, I think I'm good. I man, I'm glad I I'm glad I decided to watch this. I forgot how fun it was because. It's not as quotable as Army of Darkness is. 
That's and true. But it does have that, some of the key moments. It does. Well, it has key moments that I thought were in Army of Darkness. So right. That's how important they are. Yeah. That just, I thought they were in the movie I saw all the time instead of the one I saw once. Right. And like it was the same for me. The Army of Darkness was fundamental, but Evil Dead I came to a little bit later and Evil Dead 2 maybe overtook Army of Darkness for me for quite a long time. I think partially because the first DVD I had of Army of Darkness was just the director's cut, and it had oh. some really rough, uh, low-quality video inserts for portions of it. So I didn't tend oh, to watch yeah. it as much. Yeah. Um, I, I could see now how Evil Dead 2 could overtake Army of Darkness, but I haven't seen uh, Army of Darkness in probably about 10 years, so who knows? That is fair. All right, well, we'll head over to part three. And we are back with the third part where we talk about movies watched in the past week and decide what we're going to watch next week. Uh, so I watched. Oh, eight. I've seen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just looking at the list. I'm like, oh, man, I already don't know what I'm going to pick. <laughs> don't uh, have I, a clue. I watched eight movies this week, uh, starting with Friday the 13th, part three, part 3D. Oh, no. Is Does this follow um, the other slasher series of being a widely departed, a wide departure from the rest of the series, uh, but still really fun in its own way? Like three <laughs> had the dream warrior. Uh, what three? Wow. Holy, I'm not getting my thought well at all uh sort of i mean like this is not a well-liked one uh it's okay. much much dumber uh so like the the 3d thing it sort of became a big focal point so there's a lot of people just pointing stuff at the camera oh <laughs> i hate that <laughs> there's a lot of that uh there's there's like a whole scene where someone's just like dangling a yo-yo in the lens and it's it's considerably dumber, like notably, this moves the production to California, whereas, you know, the first couple of them were shot in New Jersey, where, you know, Crystal Lake is supposed to actually be. Mm -hmm. uh, it it is the one that introduces the hockey mask, though. So it's a pretty oh, important okay. piece of iconography. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you were saying he wasn't he doesn't he didn't have that in the first two. Right. He just has a sack on his head in part two. Uh, this one has a really goofy biker gang with only three people in it, you know, just to add <laughs> some extra bodies. Uh, it's not even about campers or camp counselors or anything. It's just some teens who are renting a house. <laughs> it's much right. dumber. Uh, it's too bright because, you know, they had to shoot it extra bright for the 3D because 3D dims uh, right, things. Right. So. Everything looks kind of off. They didn't have a real lake, so it's just like this fake lake, which is definitely a problem in the movie. It's yeah. it's noticeably a step down in quality, but it's still pretty fun because it's so dumb. Like, it's considerably stupider. You know, I haven't seen... I haven't seen a single movie I can think of that's been in 3D where 3D was justified. Um... I feel Maybe like I've Avatar. seen uh, Doctor Strange, the first Doctor Strange. Oh, I'm I sorry, really you're liked. absolutely right. Yes, uh, that movie is a trip in 3D. And speaking of that, I'm pretty excited for the second one, which is Sam Raimi. His next movie is finally oh. 
the sequel to Doctor Strange. Uh, oh, Doctor cool. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness coming out next month, I think. It's been like such a long time since there's been a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, uh, when, when was the last one? I think it's like 2009 or something. No, it couldn't. No, there was Oz the Great and Powerful, which is like 2012 or 2013, maybe. Maybe even not oh, that wow. long ago. But it's been a while. Like, it's been quite a while. God, it's just hard to imagine that 2012 was 10 years ago. Oh, I feel so old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up is It's Such a Beautiful Day. Uh, this is a Don Hertzfeld movie, famous for oh. Refused, or Rejected, rather. You know, right, the, right. Uh, this is his, movie, is his animated movie about mental illness. Oh. Uh, and it's, it's funny, but it's also emotionally devastating. Oh, boy. Like, it's very real while also being surreal at various times. It's just, you know, it's following a character who is dealing with just debilitating mental illness and it sort of filters all of reality through him so it's got a lot of the same style as rejected but it's kind of uh it's it's more of a collage film you have a lot of other stuff i don't know if it would be something that would be easy to talk about because it's very abstract and it's only like 50 minutes (laughs) but it is great. Like I would say it's a masterpiece, but and something that should be seen. I, I don't know how easy it would be to talk about. <laughs> you know that I take that as a challenge. <laughs> I know. You, you, you must have known what <laughs> Okay, good. As but it is like I, I would say absolutely it is a masterpiece. Like it's it's uh like I, I was having a bad week. I've been having real panic attacks lately. Uh and It's just something like I kind of needed something that matched my frame of mind. Uh, So it's, you know, it's it's a it's maybe a tough watch depending on your frame of mind. I don't know. Uh, Next up. Next up is Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter and the last one. (laughs) Uh, Obviously not the last one. They made, you know, eight more after this. Uh, This one has Corey Feldman. As a, uh, when he was very young, he's uh, I think he's like a 10 year old or something or 12 year old oh, wow. who makes monster masks. Uh, and he's living in a house next door to a party house on Crystal Lake. So like when we watched Friday the 13th, the remake, the 2009 right. one, uh, it's essentially one through four, except without the Corey Feldman character and household. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it did one in the first five minutes, and then yeah, it did that neat thing where it killed its first, its entire first group of dead meat, dead meats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, I thought was neat, and then it was just too 2009. It was a little too 2009. I agree. Uh, this one, so it's another teens renting a house one, but like notably, one of the teens is Crispin Glover. Oh, where do I? Where do I um, Marty Mc, uh, Marty McFly's dad in Back to the Future. Oh, okay. Probably okay. his best known role. Uh, he's a weird dude, just incredibly weird dude, and his energy in this movie is so amazing. Like he's easily my favorite uh, one-off character in this series. Uh, he has a scene where he's dancing, and I've never seen anything like it before. Uh, <laughs> it's so incredible to look at. 
Um, it's probably my second favorite in the series after the first one. It's it's just uh, it it's a real rebound from the the cheapness and silliness of the third one. It has a bit more of a uh, it, it feels a bit more scary, although it is definitely the first one where Jason is a zombie. Like we see him rise off a table in the morgue at the start. Uh, notably, it also has the plot line with the brother looking for his sister who Jason has killed. Oh, right. Which, which was, was also in uh, 2009, but he kept her prisoner in that one. Right. Where here he's just looking for I, it's a, presumably one of the girls from the previous movies. Yeah. And the 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 really insane thing that I kind of always forget when I'm when I haven't watched these in a while is that like. Two, three, and four all happen like really close together. Like they they happen over the course of like a week. Oh wow! So Jason is on an insane spree across <laughs> these three movies. It's totally insane. God, like how is not dang. every FBI agent and police force in the country hanging out in Jersey trying to deal with this? Because like sixty people have died. Uh, they just ran away from home. I guess they ran away. I guess they ran away. Uh, so next up is Darkman, my next in the Sam Raimi movies, you know, going through his pictures. Have yep. you ever seen Darkman? I don't think so. It's sort of like a comic book movie from that weird period where they do things that they'd call a comic book movie that weren't actually based on a comic book, just had comic book style. So it's... Oh. Super pulpy, super violent. It's like him doing the shadow. He he wanted to do the shadow, but he couldn't get the rights to it because someone else was working with it. Uh, Okay. Uh, Stars Liam Neeson. Oh. And he is having fun. He is chewing all the scenery, and like it's it's even written into the movie that uh like his his whole deal is he. Uh, his his lab is torched. He's this experimental scientist who's developing fake skin for burn victims. Okay. Uh, but the problem is when it's in the light, it uh, rapidly deteriorates. It'll only last for an hour and a half. Whereas if it's in the dark, it'll last longer. Which is why he's dark man, because uh, someone blows up his lab and... Uh, all of his skin gets burnt off and he is just totally wretched. But uh, a hospital picks him up and they give a they do a procedure which removes all of his nerve endings so he can no longer feel pain. That always sounds like such a good superpower, but the really good comic books are the ones that explore how much that sucks. Yeah, and this does a bit of that. Like, there's parts where he's working in his lab and he accidentally catches himself on fire and doesn't notice, which is fun. <laughs> but the other thing about it is that, like, in addition to not feeling pain, it makes him incredibly emotional. And it, like, makes all his emotions much bigger and more unstable. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, you know, his deal is because he was this guy who was making this fake skin. He starts 3D printing faces and he just goes out and, like, copies the faces of his enemies and, like, infiltrates. And it's 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 so much fun. It's very silly. It's quite ludicrous. Dark man fighting for his life against the day man. <laughs> Wait, I'm thinking Nightman. Nightman. 
Uh, next up, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's oh. Revenge. Uh, this is famously the gay one. All uh, right. Uh, I love this one. This is my second favorite in the series, much like Friday the 13th Part 4 is my second favorite there. Uh, I Just the characters are really likable. They're well-developed. There's more to them, and the concept of Jason being used as a metaphor for uh, closeted homosexuality is interesting. Like it, it kind of, it, it gives it more of a concept than most of the other ones. Right. Right. And also it's Jason is still, or not Jason. Uh, Freddie is supposed to be scary in this one. It's, it's the last one where he's not just spouting one liners all the time. He's scary in three, despite the one liners, but, kind I of think that's uh, well i found it really disturbing because right just the concept still but like it's yeah. diminishing returns from that point for sure i, I guess i guess because more fair. and more it's him calling someone a bitch and then killing them you know it, it, <laughs> okay. it becomes really repetitive over time oh like if clint eastwood always uh said do you feel lucky punk do you yeah. feel lucky punk do yeah, you feel lucky, it's, punk? It's like if every person he talked to, he called punk. You know, it, it's it's that sort of thing. Uh, this one is really interesting, though. I've always really dug it. It's not popular. It was very unpopular at the time. Uh, although, like, it, it made money and then there was a backlash to it. Because right. as people discovered the gay subtext, which is not hidden. It's really not hidden. Uh, it's it's right up there on the surface. There is a part where he has a nightmare and he goes to a gay bar in the middle of the night and finds his gym teacher. And then his gym teacher takes him back to the school and makes him run laps. And he Freddie manifests and he ties him up in the shower and strips him and uh, like uh, flicks his butt with a with a towel before attacking him. It's it's. It's so nuts. I'm it's going to say that maybe back then Republicans just didn't know how to detect gay subtext, but uh... it's so on the surface. I mean, part of it is just that the 80s had a lot of queer vibes in movies like that's just sort of built into the way the 80s looked and felt in terms of the music and uh, clothing designs. But it's so so there and i honestly there it's a really interesting romance like there there's the his care the other guy grady who would normally be kind of an antagonist is really sweet <laughs> and like it you do get the impression that it's kind of mutual it's it's so great it's a really cool. interesting movie cool cool um what what was your first favorite freddy if this one's your second the first one. I mean, the first oh, one okay. is pretty undeniable. It's just such a good movie. Cool, cool. Uh, so next up is Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, which is a documentary about Nightmare on Elm Street 2 oh. and about Mark Patton, the gay star of the movie. Oh, so so he was the star's gay. He was actually gay. Uh, he was in the closet or like not really in the closet, but he wasn't out out like it right. wasn't widely known and it basically destroyed his career uh, oh. because 
there was the backlash and it was right at the same time as the AIDS epidemic. And yeah, it turns not uh, yeah, nice. bad time, bad time. Uh, so there was a lot of gay panic and it ultimately like it, it just he couldn't deal with the pressure anymore. And he ended up retiring from acting. He's back now. So he stars in this doc. He's a survivor of AIDS. Uh, and it just has him going to conventions. It has him talking about uh, his life and how it affected him and him reconnecting with everyone from the second one. And like he he had beef with uh, the writer and director for various ways that it kind of screwed him over and he gets to confront them in it. Uh, it's really good. Very interesting. Although cool. probably more interest only of interest if you've seen Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it'd be like trying to watch the Al Adamson documentary if I hadn't seen any of his films. Right. Totally. Although that documentary was a great advertisement for his films. It made me want to watch. Them. True. True. Like a, a great way of introducing his films. Yeah. Uh, next up is How to Seduce a Virgin. This is a Jess uh, Franco. <laughs> pretty easily, I would think. Well, it depends. I guess it does depend. Um, we, depends <laughs> on a number of things. This one's borderline pornographic. Uh, as many Francos tend to be. I, I've talked about Franco many times. Uh, the, the phrase I tend to go for is uh, sex nightmare. That's sort of his <laughs> his vibe, you know? Right, so, right. So this is there. There's this wealthy countess, and she's led out of a mental institution and goes back to her uh, elaborate estate with a museum of embalmed sex workers who she's tortured to death. Uh, and okay, that's that's a lot to put yeah. in one sentence. <laughs> uh, it's got an incredibly breezy, goofy score. It's like you know, it's very seventies. The aesthetic is great, but there's so much masturbation, like not oh, real, God. but like endless, endless sex and masturbation scenes like that's 50 okay. percent of the movie. Oh. <laughs> but All it's right. really it's quite entertaining in terms of just that style. Uh, if the sex scenes were less, there wouldn't be much of a movie. But mm. I, I do like uh, everything in between. <laughs> All right. And last up is The Fast and the Furious, the original, uh, the first in the series, not the original from the 50s, but the 2001 movie. Oh, there was one in the 50s? Yeah, The the Fast and the Furious was, I think, a Roger Corman picture in oh. the late 50s or maybe 60. I thought Paul Walker was younger than that. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I've never se- I'd never seen this one before. I'd only ever seen four and five. Oh really? Oh, I think this is the only one I have seen. Interesting. Uh, it was weird coming to it, knowing that this would become a huge franchise. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't know that at the time. It just seems like it couldn't have been. It's it it really feels finished at the end. Like, <laughs> but you know there are some amazing stunts. Like the crashes and stuff are amazing. I do like Vin Diesel and Paul Walker in this. They are they they have a fun dynamic. I like them. But I hate the director. I think the style of the movie kind of sucks. Uh, but it's it's a good start. Like I'm I'm interested to follow the series from here. Okay. 
as those are the eight. Uh, what do you think? Some oh, some interesting picks here. There really is. Um, and I do kind of want to see Fast and the Furious again, but do I really? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very good. I uh, like no. of the movies on here. It's arguably the worst. Oh, right. OK. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll take your word on that. Um, I mean, there will be other opportunities to see the very first Fast and the Furious movie. Oh, for sure. Some obscure title that's never going to come up again. Well, I, I picked up the box set cheap secondhand, so I, I will be watching all of these movies over the next little while. Oh, cool, cool. Um, I'm going to go with that Don Hertzfeld one, simply because you said I couldn't talk about it, or said it would be difficult, rather. It will be difficult. Uh, you will have to take some notes. Okay. <laughs> very complicated, weird, uh, and not a lot of form. Uh, but it is great. It is a masterpiece, and I do feel that people should see it. Uh, so uh, there are only three additions to the stacks this week, in addition, of course, to Boxer from Shantung that we talked about. Uh, so first, Reform School Girls. This is like uh, an 80s women in prison movie, but like in it's also a teen exploitation movie because, you know, it's Reform School. Right, right. Super tongue-in-cheek, very surreal, over-the-top. The star is Wendy O. Williams, who was about 40 at the time, playing a teenager. Uh, It's, you know, just really over-the-top, loony, kind of like tongue-in-cheek prison, women prison exploitation stuff, but like self-aware. Okay, so so maybe not really the same thing as uh, female prisoner Severno 2? No, this, this would be more comedic. Uh, next up is Next of Kin, which is an Australian giallo. Oh, that's uh, I can't. Oh, man, I'm already intrigued just by the thought. Yes, this is something that very frequently is described as like if Dario Argento directed The Shining, which that has me in right away. Oh, uh, it, it's this woman who inherits this big creaky retirement home Uh, apparently it's just really colorful and atmospheric very stylish also very brutal uh it's it's one i've been meaning to see for a while uh, and i hear it's great cool cool and last edition of course is too fast too furious uh one of the greatest titles of all time (laughs) well it kind of kicked off a a tradition that became a meme that just it's one it is really a wonderful title like i i i've always loved fast five which is the for the longest time four and five were the only ones i've seen but in my mind i always think of uh the fifth one instead of being called fast five as five fast five furious or five asked five warious yeah <laughs> uh i i haven't seen it but it's paul go paul walker going undercover again to in you know a, a, a racing ring to the, where there's crime involved, of course, but no Vin Diesel in this one. My understanding is it's the worst in the series. It's pretty oh. popularly considered that. Oh really? Okay. But I'll see it. I'm I'm plan on watching it soon. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, now 
what are we going to choose? We've got a lot of options. Yes, we do. Since I picked a uh, emotionally devastating one, as you described it, for our secondary feature, let's do something a little easier for the main one, and mm. let's just do a Gamera. All right. So that would be Gamera versus Virus. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, this is one with aliens, uh, yep. and there it's, it's, I believe underwater aliens, if I recall correctly, which would be interesting. Okay. Uh, there it's like a virus is a squid monster, uh, who, nice. who battles Gamera. All right, cool. So next week on the stacks, we'll be discussing, uh, the beautiful, it's such a beautiful day. Uh, and uh, Gamera versus Virus. I guess the other way around. Gamera versus Virus is the main feature. It would be really hard to talk long about it's such a beautiful day. <laughs> I have no idea what the next episode's going to look like. But, I guess we'll uh, see. We will get people to watch Gamera movies. Sometimes. <laughs> people will listen to them. Uh, it I love will the Gamera happen. movies so much. They're so good. They're good. I love them. They're just They're... so... There, there's just such a weird energy to them and the craftsmanship of them. I admittedly, they sort of get kiddier and sillier as it goes from here. More and more strange. Okay. Well, but well, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see how we're. Yeah. Because like the next one, I recall as being a favorite in terms of just being really out there weird. The one after virus. Yeah, I can't. I I can't remember offhand which one that is, but I think that's the one with the cannibal aliens who want to eat the kids' brains. Oh right, good stuff. And and it has uh, the knife head alien or a knife head monster, like a monster who just has a big knife for a head, <laughs> and he shoots throwing stars out of his temples. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but first, we will get to virus. So uh, thanks so much for listening. And thanks for all your support. Um, make sure to support the cool movies that we discuss, too. Um, watch unless, stuff, yeah. Yeah, watch stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, watching movies is fun. Uh, yeah. th- that's that's uh, it's, it's a good way to get out of the insanity that is the year 2022. <laughs> oh, God, it's 2022 now. It is. 2020 part two. It's a, it's a full 10 years from 2012, as we mentioned earlier. Good Lord. Uh, why is the world? Why? Why? Uh, but yes, uh, thanks so much for listening and keep watching the stacks. <laughs>